Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com forward slash watch out for fireballs. Some audio services claim to have over 100,000 titles to choose from, but Audible has over 100,001 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to what we're calling Watch Out for Interactions. Or WOFI. WOFI. Yes. This is where uh, we uh, take responses, or rather uh, prompts, from Kickstarter backers who backed above a certain level, and then we answer them. This is not related to any one retro game topic. This is really just an extended letter section. It's the backlog of mail that we got, actually, yeah. from the beginning <laughs> of the well, show. Well, we've been saying, like, you know, you don't have to suggest a game. You can just mm-hmm. ask us a question or what have you. Yeah. And then they all happened at once yeah. as, far as, as far as Kickstarter. So, they, yeah. But that, that does remain true. Mm-hmm. Like in regular episodes, if you have some random thing you want to ask, we'll answer it. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so we have a, a lot of these. A lot of them are specific to retro gaming. Some of them are not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, we're just going to go through and just kind of talk about them. Yeah. So, so first we want to give, like, a blanket thank you to everybody who donated. Um, we're, you know, this is part of fulfilling the backer rewards and everything like that. And we really appreciate everything that you have done for us so far. Yeah, big, huge, huge help. Yeah. And and when, I, when I'm blue in the middle of, you know, this summer... Um, I think about how much fun it is going to be to do this live show yeah. and how cool it is that we're going to, you know, the stuff that's going to come out of it. Yeah. And it, uh, it makes it, it puts me in a better mood. Yeah. So it's good stuff. Cool. Well, Gary, do you want to get us started? Yeah. We're going to get started here with, uh, Brad Carey, our buddy Brad. And he says, uh, I know that one of you and my memory as to who is failing has mentioned Dungeons and Dragons. Any other non-video gaming, uh, favorite games, etc.? Yeah, so like tabletop kind of stuff? That's my guess. Um, I mean, I imagine board games would probably fall into that as well. Yeah, yeah. So I talk about that? Um, uh, we've both mentioned D&D. Yes. So it's yes. not... Uh, I probably bring it up a little bit more than Cole does. Yeah, I'm a, I, I'm a lapsed D&Der. Uh, you know, like my, my heyday was in high school. Uh, I could never find a group in college uh, that was uh, sufferable. Yeah, and that and that is the that's the trick. So, you know, tabletop is is you know one of the some of the most fun you can have if you have the right group of people. Mm-hmm. Like it, it is an amazing blast. Yeah. Um, and if you have the wrong group of people, it's insufferable. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So the uh, so non video game favorite gaming. Um, you want to go first, Cole? Uh, yes, I believe that I will. And I'm pretty lame in this regard. Again, I don't do an awful lot of tabletop, so I can't say Warhammer. I can't say, you know, like Arkham Horror or whatever. But, uh, um, oh, man, I played this really good one uh, back this past winter, uh, San Juan. Uh, it's a card game. I played it uh, at the uh, K.O.Lumbus, the, the, the Kingdom of Loathing convention in Columbus when uh, the video games hot dog guys came to town and uh, that was a lot of fun. And, There's a uh, kingdom of loathing con- convention in Columbus. Yep. 
Huh. Is it the only place there's a Kingdom of Loathing? I think it convention? pops up. Like they have their official one out in, out out in Phoenix, but uh, there's huh. a there, there's an active fan group in uh, in in Columbus, and uh, the, the 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 dudes stop out. That's neat. I, I should see if there's something like that in Portland. <laughs> yeah. Because I would, I would go. I'm a lapsed Kingdom of Loathing player, but I would go <laughs> As say hi to those guys. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so yeah, uh, like, like that is the experience that I've had most recently, um, mm-hmm. of, of, of like a non video game tabletop thing, but I just, I just don't, I just don't do it that often. Do you have like an all time favorite, like board game? Like not even, it doesn't even have to be a but like real a, tabletop Oh, game. like a nerd one. Uh, yeah. I, you know what? I like connect Four a lot and I know mm-hmm. that's like a little kid kind of thing, but, uh, um, I just, I dig it. I don't know. Yeah. It has a nice <laughs> physicality to it. Yeah. Like, uh, it's a, it's a fun, fun machine mm-hmm. on there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like connect four a lot too. Yeah. Um, so. even though it is, it is one of those games that's like tic-tac-toe where if you oh, suck, yeah. you know, you can just win instantly mm-hmm. or like you can just kind of figure it out. And I think like connect four is most fun if you know, you're drinking or if like, you know, both players are not paying that much attention. Mm-hmm. Cause if you're just trying to like, it's one of the, you, you can win it mm-hmm. systematically, which I think is less fun. Like it's what, you know, when people started doing that in tic-tac-toe, I stopped wanting to play tic-tac-toe. No. Yeah. Because it's like, what's the what's the point? You know, if yeah, you can win every time, if the other person goes first, fuck you. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. No, if you if you're doing it like programmatically, like there's there there's no point to that. It's just kind of like, huh? Here's the thing. And I realize yeah. again, I'm I'm just I'm kicking myself for that being my first answer because it's incredibly lame. Hmm. No, it's I mean it's, it's still fun to play. Yeah. Um, as yeah. long as you're not a douchebag about it. True. True. Um, which I assume you're not. Does LARPing count? Um, <laughs> no, no. Even though, like, yeah, I've, I've never LARPed. That is the. Uh, no, that's the the very discreet line yeah which I've, I've drawn it and so i you know it's fine i bet you it looks like a lot of fun have you ever seen um role models yeah yeah that is a surprisingly yeah. good movie yeah it is exactly it's a it's a really funny movie and it also you know features larp heavily and one of the things they say everyone who ends up trying is like this is a lot of fun i'm fucking surprised it's, yeah we're always <laughs> looking for people come check it out yeah like i'm sure it's i'm sure it's really fun mm-hmm. yeah david, um, david wayne is a is a fantastic director yeah he's he's wonderful yeah um, I would have to say for non-video game uh, games, there are two things I want to mention. Um, one kind of dorky board game that me and my gaming group got into last year at PAX, which is called Small World. Hmm. Um, and Small World has a really shitty aesthetics that you have to ignore. Um, but if you do ignore it, it's a really kind of delightful, um, sort of a risk-esque game where it's about controlling territories. But the uh, the two parts that are interesting about it is that you have a random set of adjectives and a random set of races that you mm-hmm. choose from. And they they modify each other. So if you have like, you know, ravenous orcs, like all orcs can do have one property and ravenous is another. So it's random what the kind of you know abilities you're going to get. And then it uh, it takes an interesting view of time. Like the game takes place turns are like eons. Mm. Like it takes this really long. You're playing out the rise and fall of civilizations in a fantasy world. Oh, wow. So it's at this, you know, this really zoomed out level. It's really fun. Yeah. Really easy to pick up. Highly recommend it. You know what? I, I neglected to mention risk. If, if it, like, if you were in a situation where, uh, okay, so I was in uh, college, uh, again, a lot of college stuff here, sorry, um, a, a household, like where it would just be like, we'd had our risk board set up and we would just keep it going to where mm-hmm. it didn't matter if it was going to be, you know, if it was going to be like a four hour thing, uh, turn it into a drinking game, et cetera. So yeah, risk yeah. is uh, another one. So, Sorry to Risk is a lot of fun. No, yeah. not, no, no problem at all. Um, tabletop wise, too, I want to throw out. We don't end up playing it all that often, but I just want to throw out for people who play D anD D to give Call of Cthulhu a chance. Um, like philosophically, it is my favorite tabletop role playing game. Like it just, it's really neat to play a game where your characters, uh, you know, are so so disempowered and so fragile and so up against the world and such like a nice and 
uh, kind of reversing of the general because you know D and D is like this male power fantasy. Yeah, you know about killing things that are declared to be evil in order to take things from them. <laughs> like it's very killy steely. <laughs> And to play a game where you're, you know, you're undeniably doing good, but you're so powerless and trying to do it is a nice, like, little flip. Right. That script. So, some of my favorite memories running a game as well as playing a game have been in uh, Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. So, yeah. So, thank you, Brad. Yeah. Moving on, Dav Langsworthy uh, asks. Excellent name. Yeah, I know, right? Of the of the New Hampshire Langsworthies. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, uh, oh, he's actually from the United Kingdom. I'm sorry, I wasn't meaning to make fun of you. I just thought you had a very. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's a very distinguished name. Um, uh, Just says simply Final Fantasy One. Gary, what are your feelings on Final Fantasy One? Final. I spent a lot of time with Final Fantasy Mm One. It was one of, I think that was the second strict RPG I played after Dragon Warrior. Um, I as a and I I beat it as a young lad uh, through pure perseverance. It is really really hard. And I remember distinctly, like my spending most of my time in Final Fantasy One grinding for money, yeah. and you know at the time that didn't bother me, but I think it'd probably be hard to go back to um, the remakes that have been made that make the game a little easier and make everything a little cheaper. You get a little bit more money from things. Um, that is, that's a, a vast improvement. Yeah, to that game, I think. Um, I just, I wish you know, spells costing that much money uh, just is is just really, really hard to to deal with. Yeah, in a game these days. It, you know, it was it was before my time. You know, the first RPG I played was Final Fantasy II, uh, mm-hmm. the American one. Um, and then by the time I got around to playing uh, Final Fantasy one, it was several years, several years later. It was kind of like as a uh, retro curiosity, and uh, just uh, the, the, like like you said, those balance uh, kind of issues. It really felt like hostile. And uh, you know, because of that, like I've been interested in like being able to say I have beaten it. But mm-hmm. I've never been able to get much beyond the class changes. So yeah, and that, and that's pretty far into the game, and the game gets brutally difficult after that. Yeah, um, there's a lot of like instant death that goes on. It's really like you know trying to find its wings. Yeah, um, there there are a lot there are things to recommend the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks really good for a Nintendo game. Like those villain sprites look really good. Yeah. The music is excellent. Mm-hmm. Like even that early in the series. Um, yeah, but well, uh, the, it, it, yeah, the party diversification too. You know, like yeah, yeah. Dra- and, Dragon, and the, Dragon Warrior, you you were just a dude, right? Yeah. And you're also you're kind of choosing your difficulty based on your party, right? Thing. So that, like, I don't, I can't remember where I heard that. Some podcast mentioned that. So it's not an original point. I apologize for not giving proper credit. But depending on what kind of party layout you choose, you're going to have a harder or easier time with the game, which is really neat. Mm-hmm. And uh, I definitely become attached to my little, you know, my little dudes. Yeah. In in playing that game. Um, yeah, I spent a lot of time playing it. The, um, but God, it's just, it's really brutal. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is a really hard game. I'd say it's harder than, well, I don't know if it's harder than Dragon Warrior. It's really difficult. Yeah. You know, it's a very difficult game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So, uh, thank you, Dev. Um, Robert Sherman, who is my, uh, a buddy of mine in real life, says, uh, Neverwinter Nights is awesome. How is Gary so wrong about that? Uh, um, <laughs> I, I'm, you know, I, I'm slowly gaining appreciation for Neverwinter Nights. Cool. Uh, me and Derek are playing it co-op through through the game, and it is a, a amazing example of a game putting its worst foot forward. Oh yeah. Like I can't think of an you know the way we talk about Final Fantasies and how they have um, such great first discs. <laughs> the first act of Neverwinter Nights is unspeakably bland. Like that first area where you're going to the four peninsulas to you know fight the four different 
you know, palette changes of threats. Yeah. Like this one's pirates, <laughs> this one's robbers, this one's zombies, and this one's infected or whatever. It's so boring. You're, you're going to fight the pirates, robbers, highwaymen, and bandits? Essentially, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Except the zombies is one of them, but that's yeah. more or less it. Like, it's so boring. It's yeah. such a terrible... And it doesn't... It's not until, like, late in the second area where you start having interesting quests. Mm-hmm. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. Like, it, it is really bland. Um, but like anything, it's really fun co-op. So I'm oh, coming yeah. around on the game, and it's also getting more interesting as we go. We've done a couple of really cool quests. Like, how well do you remember that game, Cole? Oh, I, I remember it very well. I, I play the shit out of it. Um, yeah, it's 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 great. I, I like it. You're entirely right. Um, I think that it suffers for bland NPCs. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah I don't like, care about anyone in the game. Right. And there's so much dialogue. Like, the, the Ar- Lady Arwen or what have you mm-hmm. is so boring. Yeah, I do not care about her cure. I don't care about the plague. Like it makes it really hard to care about any of the characters. The only things that's happened that have been, uh, and that that's really strange coming from Baldur's Gate, which has really interesting NPCs, exactly, especially companions. Mm-hmm. Um, we just did the quest fairly recently where you go into, it's like a, a castle and it's actually not there. It's an illusion, and there mm-hmm. are two brothers who lived in it. Yeah, and you're serving like the goddess of justice to figure out who did this like child murder. Yeah, that's great. that was awesome. Like I wish there was more stuff like that. In that game, and and if the game was, you know, three or four times as much of that, and and way fewer dungeon crawls, um, especially in the beginning of the the beginning of the game, yeah, um, I would be a lot more into it. There also suffers from a serious depth of like, uh, or uh, lack, not depth, dearth. lack, uh, dearth. That's what I'm looking for exactly. A dearth of uh, cool like weapons and items. Like mm-hmm. you reach kind of peak magical items really early in an area where there's nothing for you to save up for nothing for you to hope for nothing for you to strive for as far as improving your character like if you're not playing a mage like what are you saving up all this money for yeah you know you've already bought the best thing i've got a pocket full of amethyst yeah exactly (laughs) the uh, less successful spin doctors um song yeah um so so the, the thing about neverwinter nights is like both games apparently have one good expansion pack in them Mm-hmm. So like if you're if you're doing it like in you know in in sequence, uh, Undertide is shit. But the Underdark, the Hordes in the under, Underdark, that is where the meat of it is. I think that like Underdark ju- justifies a lot of the sins of the main game. Um, and then I hear that uh, Mask of the Betrayer for Neverwinter Nights two is uh, is incredibly good. But They're written I, by uh, what is it that um, that company I love so much, Obsidian. Yeah, yeah. Um, did that, and I, yeah, I'm, I'm working my way towards that. I'm being OCD about not wanting to start in the middle of the, the campaign, but right. I'm working my way towards that because that's supposed to have writing that rivals torment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. Sweet. So uh, I'm not wrong about it. I, <laughs> is the answer to your question? It's coming Bob. around. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm slowly learning. Uh, but I, this is probably my. This is the time I'm going to get through it, and it's probably my fourth attempt. Yeah, and trying to get through it just before just getting too bored to continue on. Like co-op that game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Carlos says, "What's your favorite thing to eat while playing video games?" Gary. Uh, chicken wings. No, that's, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't have a favorite thing uh, specifically. Like a lot of times, I will um, like while actually playing, I don't eat that much. Right. I will sit in front of my computer and eat dinner you know, and watch YouTubes or work on editing or something like that just because I want to multitask. 
but I don't actually eat that often while playing video games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same here. I try not to. You know, it should be like you know that's a that's a controlled thing. Eating, eating, sleeping, and pooping are sacred time. You know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, but, uh, but if, if, if I am going to, um, I'm partial to, uh, sunflower seeds, uh, mm-hmm. in, in shell, uh, just to give, you know, just to give something to, uh, to focus on. I think that's, uh, um, <laughs> related to the time that I spent in college chewing tobacco. I've, mm-hmm. I- I'm quit of that, but, uh, I, in order to do that, I went to sunflower seeds and, uh, I still occasionally do that because it's a, uh, it's a, uh, you know, it's a little mouth activity to do. <laughs> Yeah, I guess sometimes I'll eat. Uh, I eat shelled sunflower seeds from yeah. time to time, and I'll you know, buy them in bulk, like raw shelled sunflower seeds mm-hmm. that I'll eat uh, sometimes. Yeah. There, when you said sacred time, so when you're eating, you don't do anything else. You sit at a table and you eat. Huh? <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> you read or you watch something. Um, yeah. Huh. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's just you just do that. I mean, I don't know. What is what is your what is the philosophical justification for that, or what is what is the reasoning behind it? I, I don't know. I just don't want to mix it. I don't. I just don't want to mix it up. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. I would think that because we're both very neurotic about time, I would think mm-hmm. that that would be a conflicting issue no. with that. No, I just I tend to I tend to eat quickly and then get on with my day. Hmm. I, you know, it's not like a sprawling five course meal. No, I, no, I didn't expect it. You know, to take. <laughs> take too long but like the uh yeah i usually will try to at the very least like listen to something mm-hmm. like i'll put on music or a podcast or yeah. something at the very at, at the minimum yeah i will i will often have something on as background noise yeah but yeah I, I like i can't sit in front of something and pay attention to it while i'm but while, while i'm doing dedicated eating now <laughs> dedicated eating dedicated is it, eating. you just miss your mouth like what do you <laughs> <laughs> no, i just oh. i don't know i just it's no just it's, it's fine i mean it's fine I'm, I'm i'm honestly asking i'm kind of making fun of you but i'm also yeah do want to know <laughs> um <laughs> I just, huh. It's just the way that I prefer to do it. Now, I will enjoy a beverage while I play games. I enjoy a good beer, uh, a craft brew. Um, but, yeah, snacks, not so much, just yeah. because it tends to get in the way. Sunflower seeds, you can just pop them in and then just work on that for a little while. And then, you know, spit out the shells when you're done. Yeah. yeah. So from time to time, no, yeah. no set snack. Right. Um, Aaron Malone asks, uh, wants us to talk about Metroid. None of this Prime bullshit. 2D Metroid ass Metroid. You know, I think I'm pro Metroid. Yeah, I'm pro. I'm pro Metroid as well. We still have Super Metroid in our like, in case of severe depression, like break glass for the show. Like that Super Metroid could come at any time. Like when one of our parents dies, Super Metroid's coming up. Jesus. And <laughs> you know, anytime we need to actually like have a guaranteed winner, mm-hmm. um, Super Metroid is on its way. Yeah. So. Yeah, and and the uh, so I, w- I wanted to ask: um, Have you how much headway have you made into non-zero mission original Metroid? Oh, um, and do you have memories of original Metroid from when you were younger? Yeah, again, like that that, that wasn't one that we that, that that we had when I was younger. We had like we had, we had Mario, uh, Captain Skyhawk, RBI Baseball, and Time Lord. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> gallery. Of- yeah, I know, right? Uh, uh, <laughs> but uh but so so like again like final fantasy one I, I ended up playing it as like a as a retro curiosity and mm. uh the, the 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 lack of a map uh beguiled me um to the point where i started trying to make my own but it was more effort than i than than, than i was up to um so i eventually 
eventually, you know, as opposed to doing what a sane person would do, which is, you know, go online and just get one, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just, I just decided to drop it. Yeah. Which, which is, is fine. Like the original Metroid's pretty, pretty rough. Yeah. Um, I never beat that game and I never really got very far in it, but I would pick it up from time to time just to play it and like listen to the music and, and, you know, kind of explore, which I really loved, but I would never, I kind of treated it like a sandbox kind of thing. Like yeah. it was fun trying to find secrets, but I was never, there's never any end for me right. at that point. Um, I've never beat the original Metroid. The, uh, yeah, zero mission on the other hand, I think is wonderful. Um, I love zero mission. So yeah. That is a that's a that's a must play to get the kind of the same maps and and design or similar maps yeah and design and kind of that part of the story yeah. um, and then Super Metroid obviously a masterpiece mm-hmm. uh, Metroid Fusion we've we've done our <laughs> we've discussed our piece on everybody and, forgets Metroid too yeah yeah which I've only played a little bit of yeah um, I have that on my 3ds hmm. I should give that a you know give that a, a shot yeah um, yeah Metroid two I do I do and everyone forgets other M when we're talking about 2D Metroids. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've never played that. I just know its reputation. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, so pro pro Metroid, pro two D Metroid, like a, a um, way forward, like classic Metroid game done mm-hmm. kind of like that anal or uh, uh, Aliens Colonel Marine. I said anal when I was trying to say Aliens <laughs> yeah. and Colonel at the same time. And it's not Colonel Marines. What is that name? The Aliens Col- Infestation. Yeah, Alien. Yeah, Infestation. That was like an excellent Metroid game. Mm-hmm. Um, was very similar and. Uh, like a Metroid game done by that company in that style for 3DS would have would be a, a day one purchase for me. Yeah, because um, that's a gorgeous game and really good. Mm-hmm. Neat. So if you're missing uh, 2D Metroids, check out uh, Alien Infestation. Yeah. Cool. Um, is it your turn to ask a question? Um, I think it is your turn. Ah, okay. So Ian Sonafelt asks, "Gaming guilty pleasure." I'm sorry, gaming guilty pleasure. Pleasure. Yeah, there we go. Uh, go ahead, Cole. <laughs> well, um, y- you know, I'm very deliberate about the way that I spend my gaming time. Mostly, I'm on, you know, I'm usually on assignment or something. Um, you know, so I can't say like, oh, Candy Crush Saga or whatever. Um, but uh, what I will say is, I actually, I really like sports games. Mm. Um, and it's a very specific crop of sports games that I just happen to own. So like Tiger Woods 2004, uh, NHL 2K5, and uh, NFL 2K5. Those mm. are really fun little diversions if you just want to sit down for 20 minutes and do a thing. Hmm. I've, I've not played any any of those. I haven't played like a sports game based on a regular sport um, <laughs> since like the 16-bit. A non-Mario sport. <laughs> yeah, like a non-Mario or non-Kart related sport. Um, since like the 16 bit era. Um, and even then, like my favorite sports game at that time was the super baseball 2020, right? which, uh, dresses things up. Mutant um, league football. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like fo- football is real fun. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't get too guilty about pleasures. Yeah. Like, there's, thing. There's, like... yeah, I, I try not to, to feel guilty. Like I, knowing what the spirit of the question is though, mm-hmm. um, I would say, uh, the two things would be one, um, I associate Pokemon games with travel. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times before I get on a plane to go somewhere to go back home, I'll buy a Pokemon generation I haven't played. Um, right now, the only Pokemon game I haven't played all the way through is Emerald, mm-hmm. that generation. All the rest of them I played all the way through and enjoyed. And then uh, for some reason, I keep buying the um, PC versions of the Magic the Gathering game. Um, <laughs> okay. I used to play, and even the the Microprose one, I, I mm-hmm. have a lot of play, have a lot of fun with. I used to play Magic a lot. When I was younger, and it kind of scratches that itch for me. Okay, even though the the PC versions of the games are not very good, like you're not constructing your own decks, you're not. Uh, you're just kind of. It's more like just finding the right lock for the right key. 
Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't think they're very fun, but I still I haven't bought the newest one, but I bought the last two and and played through them to completion. Right. So and I don't think they're very good games. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the closest thing. Yeah. To a guilty pleasure that I have. Okay. Yeah. Um, Brayden Cameron of the Pitch Fame <laughs> asks, uh, "What is the weirdest game you played growing up?" Yeah. Um, which is which is a tough question. Um, I on the NES actually played Monster Party, which is a real weird game, <laughs> and that's kind of a famously weird game. But I rented that as a youth and was really kind of blown away by it. Um, if you're not familiar, watch a, a YouTube Let's Play of it. Um, you can watch my, I, I played it for a little while on, on the YouTube <laughs> channel. Um, it's batshit insane. Like it is like a weird kind of inventive platformer where like you, you have this very low range melee weapon that is primarily knocks projectiles back. But every once in a while, the game turns into this ridiculous, like eversion style nightmare world. <laughs> and it is just terrifying. Like for NES style, like everything is bleeding. Everything, eyeballs are falling out of everything. It's really graphic. Jesus. Um, and really kind of surprising that it came out the way it did. It has a really offbeat sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really cool. Yeah. It's a cool game. It's really strange. Yeah. So most, like, you know, I, I played my share of, like, weird, like, why does this exist NES games, uh, mostly on rental, um, you know, like when I was, like, staying over at my grandma's or whatever, like the Double Dare video game or something yeah. like that. Yep. Um, but uh, I had a friend uh, who lived down the street who had an Amiga for some reason. Hmm. And like that, like that whole um, like world of PC, kind of like that PC slash console kind of like weird, you know, thing. I think the bar to publish was lower. So, uh, of course, all the games were pirated. They were bootleg, you know, floppy disk versions of the thing. Mm-hmm. But like there was this uh, just it's weird because it's so bland. But this platformer called Mousetrap. Okay. That the all of the music was like this MIDI-ish, like, uh, like uh, rendition of classical music. So they didn't have to pay a composer. They just did that. And, that was really common. Yeah. And, and then you're just a mouse who's trying to like get pieces of cheese. But you had a really, really small like fall to die distance. It was like like only slightly higher than you were tall. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember going over there. That was also my first exposure playing playing on an Amiga. It was my first exposure to um, Leisure Suit Larry, um, and oh, that, yeah. that was surely a weird game. Trying to answer those questions at the beginning to verify your age. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, you know, asking you about the Carter administration. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, which is pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, in in retrospect, like that's a pretty funny idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and won't you know won't age well? I wonder what the those updated versions of that game if they. You know, if they brought in kind of a nod to that, oh yeah, kind of thing, and and because that would be, I mean, it probably doesn't have the same kind of copy protection. True. To it, but uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, and there was a strip poker game too that I remember playing secretly in the basement, like on a sleepover. Yeah, floor. I did that on a, on a computer as well. <laughs> um, me and me and all my friends traded around this uh, like strip poker, uh, DOS game. Yeah. And stuff for you know, because any port in a storm when you're that age. Yep. Um, then the storm being hormones. <laughs> Yeah. And port being any excuse to <laughs> masturbate furiously, so <laughs> we ne- yeah. never it never went that far. It was just a curiosity, like oh boy, we're supposed to be interested in this. No, 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 <laughs> Starman here doesn't masturbate to naked disguised <laughs> women. Not not, yeah. without, not like or when like three other people are around. Oh, I guess that's true. This, yeah. These are solitary pursuits for me. Yes. Um, no. Star <laughs> Star Boy here. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I, I never got into that masturbating around dudes. Yeah. The, the uh, one of my friends went to college, and he was saying how like he, he was in this uh, fraternity, and he said like they'd hang out and pop in these porns and just watch them, and like. I always thought that was really strange. Like watching a porn with your friends mm-hmm. at the age where I did it was before I really understood it. And it was like a yeah. curiosity. Mm-hmm. But then by the time I'm college age, like, you know, pornography is, is a, is a really a tool <laughs> with a very specific end. Like, yeah. it is, you know, it, it's a, it's a mono use appliance and like just getting together with a bunch of bros <laughs> to watch, watch porn like that seems really strange to me. Yeah. Like, I never really understood the appeal. There's a, there's a podcast that I really like called, Oh uh, yeah, dude. Um, mm. and one of their recurring segments, um, uh, especially when they do live shows, um, in different, in different places is to go on Craigslist, uh, looking for, looking at like the casual encounters. And that is a recurring theme of like, you know, you, you know, like a former frat boy who misses the life, me, a former fat boy, a frat boy who misses the life coming over, watching straight porn, you know, jacking off, maybe help each other out. No gay shit. And yeah, like, just like that whole, like latent homosexuality, but it's weird. Yeah, it is. It, it is, just kind of comes it, with that. Yeah. That it territory. is. It is just a weird, weird, uh, steez as it were. Yeah. Never, never appealing to me. No, but um, Hey, you know, th- it, it takes all kinds. Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure. Whatever, whatever gets you off is fine with me. Yeah. Uh, I'm not here to, I'm not a goalie <laughs> trying to stop you from, from hitting that brass ring. Um, <laughs> oh man. Uh, th- this, is this one me? Yeah, uh, this yeah, is, is you. Okay. Nick Basile, 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 I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the first game you remember playing that made you realize that they were more than just toys? Hmm. Um, I'm going to say this is going to make me seem as old as I am, um, but it's going to be Atari 2600 Joust. Oh, wow. Um, because the, uh, so this was, I don't know exactly how old I was. It was before I was seven. Um, because there was a time where, you know, before my parents got divorced and my aunt and uncle lived in the house and we had an Atari and, uh, and played it and we all got, you know, I had a bunch of games. I remember kind of messing around with them, but they didn't make too much of an impression on me. Um, except for joust because the whole, it was multiplayer and the whole kind of family got into it Oh wow! and there was like kind of trash talking and, and, you know, every, you know, people who are clearly better at it and people were kind of clearly worse at it. And uh, it wasn't just because Atari games are so abstract, like a lot of times you would put them in and it was just a toy. Like it was essentially just like I'm going to press these buttons and lights are going to come out and cool sounds are going to be made because there's no not a clear goal or anything like that. But Joust is so kind of elegant in, uh, in what you need to do. And the fact that my the older people in my family took an interest in it meant that they could help me kind of ex, you know explain it to me mm-hmm, yeah. and everything and kind of teach me about it. So 2600 Joust. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I like that the the competitive thing in a way. Like Zombies Ate My Neighbors was that for me again, making mm. making me seem as young as I am. Like uh, on on the episode for that, you know, on, on the episode for that game, uh, I talked about you know all the time spent playing it with my dad, you know, um, over at his house and everything. So yeah, just mm-hmm. kind of like that common that common thing. It, it was it was more cooperative and not uh, co- you know competitive. But I think the same spirit applies, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, having somebody else involved, <clears throat> I think, is what. You know, that common thread where you're kind of learning that this isn't just a – because a toy is oftentimes just an interaction between you and the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of kind of get the difference, you know, having kind of a guide or someone to, to share the experience with Yeah, is what, is what will do that for you. Yeah. I think for me the first one uh, in a different way was uh, was Final Fantasy uh, 2. 
uh, mm. like, like like from before, just because it was the first game that I played that really heavily involved reading and had a had a discernible plot with like twists and turns for mm-hmm. as melodramatic as they were, and for as young as I was when I played it, it was absolutely enchanting and like that you know it like established this link between uh, video games and the same feeling that that I got when I was like reading books, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it, it's not a toy at all. Right. So, like, you know, on that, that game narrative access, like, there are kind of side paths and one of which is a toy. So when you look at something like The Sims or mm-hmm. SimCity, sometimes people will say it's not really a game, it's more of a toy. Um, you take something like Final Fantasy, uh, you know, 4 or 2, um, that's not a toy at all. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like you're never just going to sit down and mess around with it for 20 minutes. Right. You're always on a track advancing towards something. Yeah. Like, you're always participating in it in the intended way. Mm-hmm. You know, more or less. Like, it is not a toy. Whereas even something like Joust could be. You know, you can kind of do, like, a, like a, you know, an emergent gameplay or something like that. And I think that if you're going to play Final Fantasy 2, mm-hmm. um, you know, you'd have to come to that conclusion. Yeah. So, so. It, it just, you know, depends how, how old you are when you hit those experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam Anderson asks, um, or wants us to talk about, how uh, strangely time-dependent game availability and pricing are. You don't see movies that are only five bucks because they're ten years old, and all but the big flops in books, music, and movie are available on re-release. Are these going to go away as the industry matures? Yeah. Um, I'm a little bit confused by it. I guess because I, I feel like you do see movies that are only yeah, five yeah. bucks because they're ten years old. You know, so the blockbuster when that still existed, uh, you know, buy three DVDs for ten dollars. Yeah, whatever. or even like a Walmart always have a five dollar bin mm-hmm. of things that are that are old. Um, the difference, so there is an interesting relationship. The way the video games are different, though, as far as uh, pricing and the relationship to how old something is. Obsolescence. Yeah, so I was, and obsolescence, and then the other thing I was going, I the first time I noticed this was with uh, PC games, because a console game, you know, a cartridge console game will stay expensive for a lot longer than a PC game would, at least during like the late '90s, early 2000s, during my kind of heyday yeah. with PC games. I was finding these like jewel case, like value pack games, that were two for ten dollars, and they were, you know, they were the best games. Like they were, you know, it was like torment packaged with. Uh, you know, a Septera Core or something like that, which is not a great game, but is pretty <laughs> decent. Or both Fallout games, which are only, you know, at the time, maybe two years old. Right. And they were, you know, priced at $5 a piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember just noticing that PC games were getting much cheaper faster than console games were mm-hmm. um, at the time. Like, and even now, if you want to go buy Mario Galaxy 2, it's still like 30 bucks. You know, Mario Galaxy 1, I think, is 20 bucks, right. And it will never get below that. No, no. Anything you that know? has Mario in the title yeah, uh, there's, there's, will stay up. Yeah, there are certain certain series that are always going to be kind of expensive. Yeah. New. But, uh... I mean, I think that, if anything, it's it's not that, you know, games are, you know, uh, games are going to change as they mature and that pricing model is going to go away. I think everything is kind of rushing to meet, you know, like where games are at. Or, or it's all kind of converging on the center place. You know, you can yeah. get, you know, the look at look at, uh, you know, the, 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 the book market, you know, just like in, you know, games, if you want to buy a book right, right when it first comes out in hardcover, it's going to be twenty four ninety nine, twenty nine ninety nine, something yeah. like that. You wait two years and then it's out in paperback or something, you know, right. And then, and the- you know, w- with everything moving towards digital, it's all going to be available at fairly inelastic pricing, uh, depending on, you know, flukes like the Steam sale or whatever. Right. 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 Which is increasingly becoming not a fluke 
Right. Like that's something that you can depend on to where now for PC games, mm-hmm. very rare the game I'm going to buy right out the gate. I'm mm-hmm. almost always going to wait for a Steam sale. If I'm buying in physical media, I'm always going to buy it used. Mm-hmm. Um, so I might be the wrong person for this question, given that it's not important for me to own new merchandise mm-hmm. um, in, in most facets of my life. And uh, I'm also a very patient gamer. Like one of the things that changed for me, you know, as I've gotten older is that I realized um, I think I've talked about this on the show before, is that there is effectively infinite media out there, right. infinite good media for me. And I could play a new game every day for the rest of my life and probably not play everything I want to play before I die. Right. You know, so there's no point. There's very little point in me being, you know, flipping out and pre-ordering something unless I'm absolutely sure I want to play it then. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. uh, or like some other, you know, like I pre-ordered Shadowrun because I wanted to support it coming out. Um, you know, things like that. But uh, games I bought brand new in the last year, um, like Bioshock Infinite, uh, The Walking Dead. Dark Dark Souls. It's been less than I a year. <laughs> well, I didn't. I, yeah, I, but I bought that on a sale. Oh, okay. That was on half price sale, um, which I would have paid full full price for it. But mm-hmm. um, I didn't have the opportunity to. And then um, and I guess, yeah, it's been more than a year since like New Vegas. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I pretty I might buy everything on sale. Yeah. Stuff like that. So this pricing stuff kind of doesn't apply to me. Like, if uh, you know, if, if games, you know, I, I still and I still have stuff I on my backlog. I still need to play mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I don't know. It just you end up with stuff like that right there, which is my console backlog, and then this right here, which is my PC backlog. Yeah. Yeah. Each yeah. one. Of, each one of those cards <laughs> represents a game. You know. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Don't live so like that, me, kids. Which is kind of, yeah. It's kind of awesome, though. Like, it, it means we're spoiled. Like, why why complain about, like, mm-hmm. people complain about their backlogs frequently, mm-hmm. which it's like, I understand it, but mm-hmm. just stop being so neurotic and enjoy the fact that you have yeah, yeah. this many games you're interested I, in. I, to could play. Stop, I could stop buying games right now and have enough game to play for five years. Yeah. And, and be, this that's great. <laughs> yep. You know, like, that, that's a really good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. The price. I feel fairly immune to that. Yeah, which is which is good. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't know. I, I've stopped kind of trying to be comparative media about uh, about about the about the industry or you know the industry games and you know just like everything. Everything is going towards how do we sell it to you digitally for a fixed price. Yeah. Yeah. So, yep. Jawa says concept art in video games. It's sweet. I like it. The uh, <laughs> I've gone to in the last year. I've gone to two. Um, really neat museum mm-hmm. uh, exhibits that had to do with this. One, um, or I guess it's been more than a year since I went to the one at OMSI in Portland, but they had a like a, a the history of video games exhibit that was full of concept art. And then I went to the um, pop culture museum in uh, in Seattle and saw a history of video games mm-hmm. exhibit, and both of which featured really cool yeah. old concept art. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like the, the old is the operative thing there because, you know, con- good concept art is always going to be, you know, pleasing to look at, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but like, especially if you look at the concept art that like Amano did for, you know, Final Fantasy four, that's, I think the seven times I've said that this, uh, the, this time around, <laughs> like those characters, um, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like yeah, how you can just look at that and say, oh, this is the art by this one guy and how seeing that divorced of the sprite and seeing how they translated that into the sprite kind of reveals more about like what that sprite represents. Um, yeah, it, yeah. Well, in an interesting way, because it, that's a really good example of 
the kind of lack of relation between how it looks in the game mm-hmm. and, and the concept art. Like I have, a, I have an appreciation for those drawings. Seeing the specific points in which they inform the sprites are pretty difficult. Like I almost mm-hmm. think of them because they wouldn't just be concept art. Like they're also used in manuals and yeah, promotional yeah. materials and stuff as kind of imagination aids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's more I powerful. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and that's, that's more needed with old games as opposed to now where like you look at the concept art for like a gears of war or even for like a modern fallout game, which yeah. I love the, you know, not just to attack like a game series. I don't like mm-hmm. to bring in a game series. I do like into things. Mm-hmm. You bring in uh, that concept art and essentially just looks like a, you know, gritty Todd McFarland, <laughs> you know, drawing of the monsters from the game. Like, there's really no, the game has such fidelity that it's almost unnecessary. Yeah. Like, I understand that somebody, it's not unnecessary, but it's not fun for me to appreciate it outside of the game. Yeah. Um, you know, it's necessary for the people who are making the art assets to have that to look at. But I don't get very much from it. Yeah. But there's also, you know, that Dark Souls concept art book that's coming out. You know? Yeah, which I pre-ordered because it yeah. has a bunch of cool stuff that didn't make it into the game. Mm-hmm. And because Dark Souls is in the name of it. <laughs> um, so, so. I've, I've got this rock that keeps tigers away and also has Dark Souls written on it in Sharpie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you don't see any tigers around and you also see Dark Souls <laughs> on this rock. The, uh, <laughs> and that, that's an exception, though. That's a huge exception mm-hmm. for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, who knows? Yeah, and, and it does make, it's another thing that also makes me kind of mourn the demise of manuals. Mm, yeah. um, that was a really cool thing for for instruction manuals back in the day. Yeah, that was a lot of fun um, to look through that stuff. Yeah. Also, uh, you know, because I do the show art, you know, that goes up at the top of every uh, you know episode listing um, and on mm-hmm. the cover art and everything. Um, I'll, I, a lot of the time, I will pull from concept art to get those, and uh, mm-hmm. oftentimes it is neat to search for and find and look at it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's definitely some cool stuff. I like, and then just not to beat this topic into a. You know, you don't like a dead horse, but I like it when concept, like I'm really into concept art that reveals things that didn't make it into the game. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I'm coming to terms with, you know, is that how much of a ridiculous like trivia hound I am about stuff. Like I will like those kind of like that YouTube series that like, did you know gaming mm-hmm. thing? Like it's a little pandery. It's, you know, it's a little, the production and stuff is a little bit irritating to me, but I will watch the fuck out of those things. Mm-hmm. And there's a guy who does um, gaming mysteries youtube guy who has like one of the worst like voices for youtube he's really obnoxious <laughs> he doesn't have any sense of pacing to his videos but it's telling me things that didn't make it into the game <laughs> and that is endlessly interesting to me mm-hmm. or like easter eggs things like that like that has been my before bed watching while i wait for the next crontendo to come out <laughs> so <laughs> the uh i i love that shit and a lot of that stuff comes from concept art yeah like that like what could have been is a really cool you know really cool idea that you get with that As previously mentioned, this episode is brought to you by Audible.com. And for you, our dear listeners, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their awesome service. They have over one title. Well over one. In order to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash watch out for fireballs. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash watch out for fireballs for your free audiobook. And J.D. Cohen asks us to please share our sweetest tips and tricks. Yes. Yes. A la the magazine from the 90s. Yes. Yeah. Which featured tips <laughs> and also tricks. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I would always pick that up. I think I had a subscription for a little while because of the uh, the Mega Man Legends uh, issue. I was like, huh, neat. And uh, strangely enough, like it applied to a bunch of to a bunch of things because they had that back catalog of tips and or tricks mm-hmm. uh, that was uh, that was available, and they had like little mini walkthroughs. I think yeah, I still have like, a bunch of those laying around. I got um, Electronic Gaming Monthly and Nintendo Power yeah, when I was yeah. younger, but I never had tips and tricks. Yeah, EGM and Game Pro for me. Yeah. 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 But uh, um, so <laughs> I don't know that I have any, uh, really, that, that, that are like, whoa. But uh, since this is something I'm doing right now, if you're doing Chocobo Racing and Final Fantasy VII, if you hold down both uh, R2 and R1 at the same time, your stamina will recharge, which is just mm-hmm. a way to cheat and scum that system. Yep, and and you should do that if yeah. you're chocobo racing. Yeah, because there's no there's no honor in chocobo racing. <laughs> yeah, it is a, um, it is a means to an end, and by the end I mean knights of the round. Yeah, yep, yep. yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm just trying trying to think of games that I know really well for that kind of thing. Um, damage is the most important stat in Binding of Isaac. <laughs> um, AP is the most important thing in Fallout. Uh, the 2D ones, yeah, um, not in the 3D ones. So pump up your uh, agility in Fallout and never turn down a damage upgrade in Binding of Isaac. Yeah. Oh, here, here's like a meta trick. Um, before I play .NET, I think. Oh, something yeah. Like that. That's a, it's a wiki that I think is run by the uh, the Something Awful Goons. Mm-hmm. Uh, like any game you're about to play, go there and look up and see. They will tell you stuff like that. Like, oh, max your AP or oh, yeah, damage it's is important. Yeah. I, I love that shit. Yeah. Like, and it's, uh, it's generally really spoiler useful. free. Yeah. Yep. And just and just stuff that you know you wish you would have known mm-hmm. before playing. I am uh, the majority of the Shadowrun for Genesis entry on that is my stuff. Oh, nice. So uh, yeah, the um, yeah. So that's a really good resource. It doesn't. It's the thread moves so much faster than the wiki, mm-hmm. which is frustrating. There's tons of stuff on the thread that hasn't made it to the wiki. Oh yeah. Um, the person who maintains it, I'm not going to get on their balls about it because it's <laughs> you know they're not getting paid for it or anything. But the, the you know the fact of the matter is it doesn't get really get you know updated that really much. yeah i got yeah. updated very often so it's unfortunate yeah, but, but uh, it's, it's been rare that i've gone there and been been like why isn't this and generally they have the game that i'm looking for so. yeah oftentimes yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. cool cool let's see here colonel john matrix uh from the something awful forums uh asks given the drm uh given the drm hot button issues of the uh of the coming console generation please discuss the glory days of renting games from mom and pop slash blockbuster stores during the late 80s and early 90s mm-hmm. yeah oh my gosh that is uh so fond childhood memories yep Absolutely. Like in, in, in all respects. So sometimes it would be there, you know, it would be wonderful and you would, you know, uh, stumble across a game that was, you know, would change what you thought of, of video games. Like the first time I played Maniac Mansion, mm-hmm. it was a rental. I picked it up entirely based on the cover. Yeah. You know, and I talked about that at length during the Maniac Mansion episode, mm-hmm. um, you know, about how that changed what I thought games could be. Um, sometimes, you know, your mom asks what game you want and you say Mega Man and she comes back with Mag Max. <laughs> so, like, they're, they're, they can bite you in the ass as well. Mm-hmm. Or you would be – what ha- I don't know if this happened to you, but I'd be really into – you know, when I discovered role-playing games in the 16-bit, I got into them really hard. Yeah. And that was, like, all I wanted to play. But the you know as much as the 16-bit Super Nintendo era is the golden age for role-playing games, the dirty little secret is only about you know one third of them are any good. Right. So for every like you know Final Fantasy II, there was a Paladin's Quest and a Seventh Saga, <laughs> and if you rented it, that was what you had to play mm-hmm. that weekend, and that was just you know tough yeah. titties like you're playing it. 
Mm-hmm. So I, that's how I beat Paladin's Quest, which is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> um, and I and I couldn't beat Seventh Saga even with like my little kid patience because Seventh Saga is hard and bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought you were going to bring up for RPGs the fact that you know the saves were on the console that or, or, or yeah. were, were on the uh, the cartridge themselves, like mm-hmm. not being sure that your you know your your data would be there when you picked it up the next time. You know, I if, would, if you let it yeah. lapse, yeah. I would always try not to let it lapse. Yeah. Um, like if, if I was, you know, I used to play video games, like really mainline them mm-hmm. back then. So um, it was very rare that I would rent something, you know, return it with my save and expect to find it again. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd try to rent it a couple times in a row if I could. Right. But yeah, yeah, just, you know, I I just remember, you know, weekend at grandma's and then she would just take me there and, you know, get me the, you know, Mega Man or Final Fantasy or whatever. And, uh, you know, just playing in the back room and then hanging out with them and just kind of chilling. It was uh, good times, you know. Yeah, it's it's a great time. It's still I like uh, having there are certain ways in which I like having my choices limited. Mm -hmm. And this would be one of them, similar to how I'm really into Netflix instant queue, because it's like I don't want to have to choose from every movie that exists. I want to look through what you have and say, like, this is the most interesting. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's more powerful than the most interesting of everything that exists. Right. Um, same thing with video games where I could be, you know, if I was going to buy something, it was a ser- serious investment and I'd have access to any game I wanted or any game that they had at, like, the Funko Land. Mm-hmm. Here I would go in and be like, okay, you have a limited selection. You maybe don't have everything I want and maybe I should take a chance on something. Yeah. You know, maybe – or maybe I'd play something that's like a series – you know, I had – you know, wanted to play some other games, but well, you know what? I'll, I, I love Mega Man Two. I'll play Mega Man Three, even though I really want them to have Final Fantasy because I read about it in Nintendo Power. Yeah, and then you get to play Mega Man Three, and you're like, oh yeah, this series is still excellent <laughs> and you know really good. Yeah. Or that's how I, you know I played Mario Brothers Two mm-hmm. that way because uh, you know it looked different and weird, and I loved Mario, but I was just you know like I said when I got into RPGs, I got into them real hard. Yeah. There's so. also the, uh, the 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 anxiety slash anticipation of is it going to be there or is it not going to be there? Yeah. Uh, when you didn't take to calling ahead like I eventually did. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's also and the other thing too is like a lot of very kind of rare games I got to play mm-hmm. through that. So that's how I played like Dragon Warrior three, um, uh, Dragon and Dragon Warrior four. I guess like when I say rare games, I just mean Dragon Warrior games <laughs> that, that you know stopped being available. But uh, I would you know those were plentiful in the rental markets. Mm-hmm. Back then, for some reason, even though they're worth a king's ransom now. Yeah. Um, well, they didn't go directly into somebody's vault. They were. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. They stayed on the market. Did mm-hmm. you ever rent a system, Cole? Um, once, I think we may have rented a PlayStation. I, mm. I think. And that was like a really kind of like rare special occasion. I'm not sure why we even did it. It was No, it was either that or an SNES. It's real vague, but I remember it being a huge thing because of the massive deposit that they had to yeah. put down on it. Yeah, I, I feel like I should go on eBay and try to find one of those cases because they were awesome. And I think they were like Nintendo branded, mm-hmm. Nintendo ones at least. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Did, did you also- ever uh, take a game back that you rented? Oh, like return it for not being good enough? Yeah, yeah. No, because I, I didn't really have control over my transport. Yeah. Like I wasn't within walking distance of any of them. Right. Um. So it was just I was more kind of just stuck with things. Uh, so so my, my my stepdad, he uh was always going to the uh, not like a Hollywood video, something the video rental place in front of our local Kmart like every day mm-hmm. to get movies to copy you know from vhs yeah. you, you talked uh, about that guy before yeah yeah that guy my stepdad um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah and uh just i just went back with him the next day to return quest 64 oh yeah <laughs> which i've never played 
Um, cause I wasn't, uh, you know, my Nintendo 64 days were, I was an adult by the time right. that kind of was around, but, uh, mm-hmm. I was, so I, I knew its reputation. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. The, uh, man, and speaking of just real quick, our rental things, um, something awful, uh, doing God's work as always, they had a, a front page story that was manual inserts <laughs> when every once in a while a mom and pop store would get rid of the manual for a game and have to write up their own. Oh yeah. Um, that told you how to play and then print it on the inside of the case. Those things are incredible. Really? And the, the something awful, uh, article on it, I'll put it in the show notes is excellent. Hmm. Like it's really, really funny. It's like, you know, pro tip, you know, get your older brother to help you with, uh, you know, harder parts as, and it has a, you know, start button time freeze <laughs> and stuff. Like it's really funny. Yeah. Um, I, I remember the, the, the generic casing, uh, I believe blockbuster, uh, was at the forefront of this with like the vague descriptions of, of what the game was. Yeah. Um, that stuff is wonderful. Yeah. I hope, hopefully someone's compiled that. I want a Tumblr about that. <laughs> like with just like scans of old video game rental, <laughs> You know, manuals and stuff. That, those things are fantastic. Yeah, a lot of lot of nostalgia for that. Mm-hmm. I also wish I was a little bit more bloodthirsty when that era was coming to an end because I could have oh, gotten a lot yeah. of cool stuff, but I, I wasn't. Yeah, you know, it just like, kind of didn't work out that way. Like rats fleeing a sinking ship. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, harvest your rat feast. The uh, blockbusters keep closing down around me here in Portland, and I bought like the little Mario statue that holds the DS. Oh wow! Um, I've got that guy. Um, but the, uh, other than that, like I haven't had any like really excellent finds. Yeah. Well, like now it would be, it would just be really like 15 copies of Guitar Hero World Tour. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Like, I mean, you know, exactly. But at the time it would have been right. Yeah. Um, Nolan Otto asks, uh, what is your favorite book? This vexes me. I, I, I really have a tough time answering this question. <laughs> I, I even have a tough time coming up with recommendations for, uh, for, you know, audible bumps, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> okay. So the answer I generally give is house of leaves, uh, by Mark Z. Danieluski, uh, just because, mm-hmm. um, it is just a, a wonderful horror book, uh, that does a lot of really great stuff with text layout. And uh, I kind of like the um, kind of multi-layered narrative uh, that, that, that that's happening there. Uh, some people call it pretentious. I'm not sure how pretentious it is. Um, I'm not sure that pretentious has any meaning. I don't think that that is an actual thing that exists in the world. Uh, oh, pretension. Pre- pretension surely has meaning, but it's, it's <laughs> yeah. misused a lot. Yeah, yeah. Like pretentious meaning it's putting on pretenses. Right. I, like, I, and I, that, yeah, that's that's definitely, I feel like. There are things of which that is true. Yeah. But it's rarely media. It's much more likely to be a person. Yeah, yeah. You can say that about people. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, failing that, uh, probably Confederacy of Dunces. Hmm. Um, yeah, I'm going to say uh, Slapstick, the Kurt Vonnegut book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the best book by him, but it's the one with the most emotionally resonant ideas. Right. For me, I have a tattoo, a Slapstick tattoo. Nice. Um. So it is a, you know, I've said it before, like Kurt Vonnegut's the closest thing I have to religion. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and that book is very deeply meaningful to me in a thematic way. Yeah. Um, you know, like pulls on my heartstrings in the exactly right spots. Yeah. So Cat's Cradle would probably be up there for me. And that's one that I always neglect uh, to mention when I get into these conversations. Yeah. Cat's Cradle is excellent as well. Yeah. I was thinking about my favorite book today on the, on the bus or on the, the Max rather looking over these questions mm-hmm. and that was that was up there i was thinking about that i was thinking about breakfast of champions like, i knew it was gonna be a kurt vonnegut book because of who i am but there are so many of them there so so wonderful mm-hmm. that uh you know and just uh just hit me uh right in the the gut 
in like the the wonderful way. Yeah, that only only a great book can. <laughs> um, like the difference between like I like Confederacy of, Confederacy of Dunces a lot. It doesn't like I think that book is really excellent. It doesn't hit me on any emotional core. Right. So that that makes it it'll never get into my like kind of like top pantheon. Right. Like it's funny. It's really well crafted. But it doesn't make me feel anything. Mm-hmm. So that's you know that's always going to stand in its way. Yeah. Um, I want to give House of Leaves another shot now that I'm a little older. Like when I first tried to read it, I was frustrated by, you know, all of the reasons why people call it pretentious, mm-hmm. which is all of the kind of experimental fuckery, like and notes and and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, that stuff bothered me a lot. Yeah. And now that I'm kind of more into uh, horror, mm-hmm. I've been wanting to give it a chance again. Yeah. See I, if that I, bothers I, me. Obviously, I recommend it very highly. But yeah. Yeah. Books, love them. Yeah, I, nothing I, wrong with books. I, I'm not, I'd, so like like most of what like most of my reading for the past like six months has been comics though, so it's yeah. hard for I need to like get back into reading grown up books. I don't even know why I didn't consider. Well, that that's that's <laughs> difficult. Don't say that. I know. Um, the, uh, I didn't even think about comics. Like yeah. that might be you know my my answer for this. Like because I mean I don't know. That's that's a, that's a false. False distinction. Yeah, definitely. No, I, yeah. I agree. Like, do you, do you say a Watchmen? Like, if you say New X Men, are you talking about the twelve hundred page omnibus, or are you talking about yeah. a specific well, yeah, exactly. run? Yeah, They're know? harder to they're harder to pin down. Yeah, but they're they're equally mm-hmm. like there are there are comics that are are as good. Yeah. Um. Mm, yeah. You know what I you know what I like? Um. Mm. Uh, Saga. Oh yeah, Saga's real good. Yeah. I read the first volume of that. I haven't read the second one yet. Second second one's out. It's also yeah. fantastic. Yeah, saga's real good. I mean, if you're anything about like favorites, like mm-hmm. started like, throwing things around like Mao's, um, <laughs> yeah. or like uh, uh, Alison Becknell has a really excellent book called Fun Home. Mm. That's kind of like a indie biopic. You get into things like Ghost World. Like yeah. there's, you know, don't don't. Uh, I'm not I'm not arguing with a coal that exists, but <laughs> right, the imaginary right. person in my mind who's going like those aren't books. No, no, definitely. Like, yeah. <laughs> Come on, I'm, I'm just... fucking. Read some Daniel Klaus and and tell me that this isn't you know. seriously. I know, I know, I know that you just said you know that a coal's that, that coal doesn't yeah. exist. I was really yeah. just drawing like a, a distinction. I I feel that my novel reading has suffered because of my graphic novel reading. I feel that my novel reading has just suffered in general. Yeah, like I've been having I've had a hard time getting into it, or I had the kind of twin blows of like one, you know, I got into a serious relationship and eventually got married, and reading is not something you do with a significant other right. so i read less and then uh, i went back to school and i grew to resent reading because everything i was reading was terrible right. like it's like i could read before bed and read a novel or i could read this fucking you know awful textbook i have to read you know and get get things done so i need to get i want to read read more novels as well not that mm-hmm. i don't read novels now but i want to spend more time with it yeah um but as we're going to talk uh, fairly soon uh, mm-hmm. time is an issue that we struggle with as adults yeah um, Zach Johnson of the very excellent video game podcast or video game hot dog podcast ask us, uh, how awesome are skeletons? <laughs> um, so here's ten? the thing here. Yeah. <laughs> did you say 10? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> skeletons are 10. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's the thing. Zach asked this question before we got on our skeleton tear. And in fact, I would like going back, I'm going back and listening to like the earliest video games, hot dog podcast, because I haven't mm-hmm. the, like the, they're, they're just ones that I just inexplicably haven't listened to. The skeleton thing is a thing for him. So I, I almost feel like we're stepping on his toes a little bit. No way. You can't, you can't own it. I you have a skeleton skeletons. inside me. Cole. Yeah. Like it's not like he, he does not get, <laughs> Any kind of monopoly on skeletons in the in the small pond in which we swim. 
I'm, I've got, I'm made of a skeleton. Like he, he does not get exclusive exclusives. Okay. He does a skeleton. The, uh, I did in the, the dino cast, the very first or second episodes about skeleton warriors. Okay. And we talked about, uh, whether, uh, my friend, uh, Derek, who got hit by a car and had his bone pop out. If seeing his skeleton made him feel closer to his skeleton. I've been on the skeleton thing for years as well. Okay. Is my point. Okay. Um, yeah, so I've been I've been on it for at least as long okay. as Zach has. Okay. But there's enough skeletons to go around. Like yeah. there are billions of skeletons. Yeah, like seven, seven billion and counting. Yeah, there are seven that's billion just humans. Skeletons. That's just yeah, humans. totally, totally. Yeah. Anytime you have sex, there are two skeletons having the exact same sex. <laughs> like they like, are everywhere in, in a beautiful synchronized dance. Exactly. Like there yeah. is a skeleton that does everything you do. Mm-hmm. Like at the same time you do it. Think right. about that. They're they're in they're they're inner shadows. That's exactly oh. what they are, and they're and they're fantastic. Yeah. Um, I, I I love uh, I love skeletons. Should, should we should we plug the blog? Yeah, uh, spooky <laughs> skeleton. I'm gonna start updating that too. I moved, so that's why that was kind of on hiatus. Mm-hmm. But um, spooky skeleton picks dot uh, the best skeleton skeleton aggregation mm-hmm. on uh, online at the moment. Yeah, I would say, the, and uh, <laughs> the, the, they're awesome um, video game enemies. Too. I think we, we talked about it in, uh, in in the Castlevania podcast, but it just needs to be reiterated. I know? like how skeletons can be spooky, but they can never be scary. Right. Like they're always just kind of like, Ooh, like I'm going to play yeah. ribs like a marimba, but they're never going to be, you know, I'm never okay. going to be scared of a skeleton. Okay. So how do you, how do you, how do you prefer your skeletons? Do you prefer them, you know, bleached and dry or do you prefer them with like a little bit of meat still hanging off, hanging off? I think them? they're scarier with a little bit of meat. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, also dark actual bone is not white. So if, yeah. if, if they're, if, if, if they are the, you know, human flesh colored bones, uh, as, as, as you have, um, yeah, it tends to be scarier. I think that, the, I think that a skeleton with a little bit of meat left on it that is actually dark like bones are, uh, is scary, especially yeah. if it's coming right at me with a scimitar. Or or a little bit of, of hair mm. coming out of it. Yeah. Also also scary. The um the short story I wrote for that Lovecraft Ezine has a guy who uh is touched by some kind of dark power and he starts plucking out his teeth and then the teeth start growing skulls <laughs> around them. So like that's super scary because they start growing fat and tissue and stuff off of the skull, kind of in reverse, which is super spooky to me. Yeah. Um yeah, so very uh, ten. <laughs> um very awesome yeah oh man we, we 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 appreciate skeletons mm-hmm. i want a human skull really bad have i talked about that on the show before <laughs> it is impossible they're impossible to get uh there's a there's a website where you can where you can go to get them but uh you have to prove that you are a medical doctor or somebody who has um uh like a academic interest and they're not impossible skull. to get. They're just expensive. I suppose like you can you can buy them for like seven hundred dollars. Okay. My friend Zach has a human skull. Hmm. Um, he feels conflicted about it because if you own a human skull, it definitely came from somebody who had a sad life. Like yeah, yeah. And their like family most of them are like probably Chinese doesn't want slaves. you to have that skull. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like nobody wants you to have that skull except for you. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, that doesn't change. <laughs> Wait, you know, the heart okay. wants what it wants. Okay. Like, so would you leave your skull to somebody? Would I leave my skull to somebody? Sure. Okay. Sure. Gary doesn't live here anymore. <laughs> Anybody who wants it, if you're listening to the show and you want it, fuck it. I don't care. Like, Gary won't live here anymore. Do whatever yeah. you want to. Like, yeah. Um, I, I just, I knew if I got that motor started in, in this long podcast, I, I somehow you, saw fit to start that conversation. You're going to trick me into offering my skull to a listener? <laughs> uh, 
I somehow knew. <laughs> I somehow knew. Uh, Tim. Yeah. Uh, th- thank you, Zach. Again, Video mm-hmm. Games Hot Dog. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Tim Ambrosini uh, asks, background cat, why is he slash so, she so needy? Lots of questions about Roars. Yeah. Yeah, he gets a, he gets a lot of questions. Is it he? Mm-hmm. Uh, he, I've had him, well, there's another one just asking general questions, so I'll just answer yeah. the question at hand at this point. Uh, it is because he's hungry. Um, <laughs> he has been on a diet from the vet for about a year and a half. He's on like a low calorie food. Um, but last time I took him in, so the cat weight is done on a scale of one to nine with five being perfect and one being underweight and nine being overweight. And when I first brought him in, he was about an eight. And now he's like a 5.5. Mm-hmm. So he has lost tons of weight. He's doing really great. And I've upped his food amount. Ah. Um, so he should be a little less whiny. He was just making some noises here a moment ago. But uh, it's also because it's about dinner time. Ah. So the reason why he is so needy is because he is hungry. He's also very affectionate. Um, I do not raise pets that are like, like there are certain cats where they're just kind of decorations. Mm-hmm. And uh, they don't want to be touched. They just want to be looked at. And I don't, uh, you know, I've never had a cat like that. I'm, I'm a real uh, nurturer as opposed to nature when it comes to pets. Mm-hmm. And uh, my animals tend to be affectionate and wonderful. So, yeah. He's a cool cat. Yeah, he's, he's the best. Yeah. He's the best. He's, um, I, would, like, I wouldn't be here without him. Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's necessarily true, but when I you know, went through my divorce and everything and, and moved out and, every, and, and such, it was a really, really rough time. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are definitely just having the presence of something that uh, is in the room that loves you is like a really powerful thing when you yeah. are kind of uh, really low. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but that is why he is so needy. Ah. Uh, Murph asks, uh, I remember an episode of TDRK where Cole questioned the amount of types of rice out there. This bugged me for some reason. So I need Cole to try different <laughs> kinds. This isn't a question. Yeah. This is a demand. So I need Cole to try some different kinds of rice, a burrito, sushi, and maybe even forbidden. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I can't try forbidden. It's forbidden. The uh, um, you you and you and me both, Murph, and trying to get Cole to stop yeah. eating like a Midwesterner. Yeah. yeah. Like, no, so, so okay. So what you have to realize is I was exaggerating. No, I, Mo- I, I, most of what I say on those Sam Ross kids is an exaggeration. And in fact, Murph and I, before he submitted this question, we we we, we leveled up. You know, or we, you know, we we got on the same level about yes, I recognize that there are more 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 rices. Yes, I have had multiple different kinds of rice, and no, I'm not just referring to like oh white rice or brown rice or oh is this boiling? Like it's it's not like you know boil in a bag or raw. You know, I've I've had many different kinds of rice. I'm complicated, but uh, but yes, I I will I will cede to your point that there are more than one kind of rice. Yes, there's more than one kind of rice. Yeah. Um. Yes. I'm mm-hmm. gonna, I make it like, what did we, did we eat anything? Yeah. We went to that Thai place when you came last time. Yeah. Or like, wasn't it like a Vietnamese kind of thing? It had those we like were, cool, went, little, uh, cool little, cool uh, little leaf wraps. Yeah. I we went to, to Pak Pak, ah, yeah. um, which is a really excellent Thai place. Like, yeah, I'm, when Cole, when Cole visits, I'm trying to expand his culinary mm-hmm. horizons. <laughs> Look, um, there are assumptions that are being made. <laughs> well, they, 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 what was the thing on on Twitter when you were talking about how you don't trust unpackaged bread? No, no, I like, didn't say that. I just, <laughs> I just said I, if if I'm not thinking about it as I'm going through the store, I will just grab the I will just grab the store brand bag bread to. <laughs> <laughs> no, specifically, <laughs> specifically hot dog buns. I was talking yeah. about how I can't buy hot dog buns that don't go moldy the second after you open them. Yeah. Yeah. 
which, you know, again, I was rebuked, but it's just kind of like, if I'm walking through a store, that's right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We can't argue with that. Like that, that food is right there. And there's, there's a time, <laughs> there's a time and a place for, for that kind of, kind of eating. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, definitely. I just, yeah. it was, it was summer and I wanted to have some hot dogs. Damn it. Um, <laughs> no, no, I, no one's begrudging you a hot dog. I just want you to up your, up your bread game. Yeah. Um, I don't even, the, like, uh, like, I don't even buy bread and that's why I'm like so bad at it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, like there is no bread in the house ever. So, yeah. ugh. <laughs> thank you, Murph. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm angry. No. <laughs> so, uh, Brian Wade says, talk to me about enslaved odyssey to the West. If you haven't played it, you totally should. I love that game. It's really good. Tell me about it because I haven't played it. I wanted to look into it before the thing. And I, I yeah, lost yeah. So it's made by Ninja theory. Um, the people who made a, uh, a uh, gosh, the, uh, PS three game with red haired lady who throws a blade. Um, Bayonetta. No, not Bayonetta. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. that, 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 that's Platinum. I, for, I forget. Uh, Heavenly Sword. They made Heavenly Sword. Okay. Um, they really, really excel at like facial mocap and uh, like animation. And Enslaved is kind of like where they hit this nice little sweet spot between um, like good game and also like really well sold character animations. Um, you know, the, the characters are really well designed. It's not like a verisimilitude kind of thing. Um, it's just they move in a very convincing way. And that's like kind of sells the story. Uh, uh, which is pretty much entirely pinned on the interaction between the main character, uh, a guy named Monkey, and uh, this, uh, you know, this the, 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 this girl who put this slave crown on him. Uh, on him, that if she gets more than you know a certain distance away, uh, will explode. Like just basically trying mm. to guarantee that uh, he will he will protect her in this uh, you know strange overgrown land. Um, and yeah, it's real good. It's real emotionally affecting. The ending is kind of bad. But, you know, generally, I don't care too much about bad endings, so that's not anything to hold against it. But, yeah, it's it's, it's real neat. It's also short, and you can get it for cheap, so. Huh. I've, I've never heard of it. Yeah. Before this. Like, I just uh, literally never heard of it. Yeah, it's good. So, yeah, I, I will, I'll take that recommendation. Mm-hmm. So, next time, I'm looking for a standalone Xbox game. Yeah. It's, um, it's, like, it's like eight hours. It's, it's, yeah. it, is a, it is a minimal investment. And that is definitely something, uh, you know, to sell me on something, mm-hmm. is that is how... Uh, how short it is. Yeah. So cool. Thank you, uh, Brian. Um, Riff Connor. Also uh, from also, Video Games Hot Dog. Yep. Um, he says, uh, because of my Animal Crossing roleplay, I've been rewatching The Prisoner recently. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> oh, of course, as you do. Um, have you guys seen it? What do you think? And if you haven't seen it, what do you think of Animal Crossing? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I have seen The Prisoner. Um, it is a really cool show. It's really offbeat and surreal and kind of ahead of its time yeah. um, is what I remember. I haven't watched it for a couple of years when the, the DVD set of all of them came out is when I watched it, oh, yeah. which was like 2005 or 2004. Um, so it's been a long time. Yeah. Since I've seen it. I dipped my toe into it uh, back around the time that I got into Twin Peaks um, when I got some of the uh, I think I got a couple things on DVD from the library um, and I dug it. But it, like just due to the nature of getting things from the library, it was hard to see all of it. But, yeah, I just I totally dig the trippiness of it. Yeah, it's really trippy. Yeah. Like and that, that's more than anything. Like it's not. You know, I don't want to try to do a deep reading of it, mm-hmm. um, but it is uh, it is fun to watch just yeah. for it being and, kind of crazy. And, and, and uh, you know, like I, I dig, you know, especially like speculative sci-fi specifically because it posits these weird societies that pop up and then kind of mm-hmm. learning the rules and the customs of what happened there. So the scenario is really cool, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Agreed. And the, the one of my favorite Simpsons, like late <laughs> series Simpsons Hans things. Comes up. Or no, well, not just that, but the, the island where like Homer does the Mr. X. Oh, yeah. Thing. And they, the whole like third act is on, oh, on yeah, the island right. from the prisoner. It's like one extended, really obscure reference. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's just, it's, it's yeah, really odd. The I, German version of Homer. Mm-hmm. And there you go. Yeah. No, just I, I, when you said that, I was thinking specifically of the gag where uh, they're trying to run from uh, the Unitari- like, movementarians. Yeah, from the movementarians. Yeah. And then Hans Molman gets like sucked into one of the bubble things. The anti escape orb. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Simpsons, the Simpsons writers love that. Yeah. Love that show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, re- it's really cool. Yeah. Um, really ahead of its time. Like, feels more modern uh, than it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in favor of Animal Crossing. Yeah. Uh, I only played the first one mm-hmm. to any degree, though. Yeah. So it was fun, but I any of those games that just don't have an end like that, I will get bored of eventually, and that's what happened. Except for Binding of Isaac. Um. <laughs> yeah, well, I did get I haven't played Binding of Isaac in months. <laughs> okay, cool. So it just took 400 <laughs> hours, but I eventually got... Got bored of it. I, I I love Animal Crossing for three weeks and then I never pick it up again. Yeah, I have a hard time sticking with them. Yeah. Um, there's like, just not a you know it's just I'm not a collector mm-hmm. and like so much of the draw is going to be like finding all the wallpapers, finding all the fossils, yeah. finding all the bugs. I think this is a common story, but like you find like you 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 do it every day again for roughly about three weeks, um, mm-hmm. and then like you miss a day. Um, you know, just mm. because of life, you know, that kind of stuff happens. And then you come back and people are all like bummed out and like, oh, okay, that's what happens when I miss. And then you miss another day and then you don't want to feel bad about coming back to it. So then it yeah. just languishes forever. I, yeah. like if, if, if I'm ever like feeling masochistic one day, I will just take out my copy of wild world for the DS, which I haven't played in literally, mm, let's say about eight years, um, <laughs> just to see what the town looks like. Yeah, and the, I, I wish that those, those games went further with that. Like, how amazing oh. would it be if, like, people died and <laughs> oh, stuff if you didn't show up? If, oh, or, like, okay, like no. there could be, like, a house fire or something like that. Or, or just, like, you know, it's turned into, like, a coal town. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the except, company except, moves in, turns yeah. into Allentown. Yeah, it turns into uh, Allentown. <laughs> but, and by coal town, I mean all of my towns are named coal town. <laughs> so, no, no. So here's the situation that I want. You wait long enough and all of, like, all of the animals turn into skeleton versions of themselves. And then mm. a secret spooky mode is opened up. What if you wait long enough and another false player comes along? Oh. Like everyone acts like, you know, like, oh, hey, it's cool that you're back. I'll see. I'm going to go hang out with Bull. And then there's like Bull over there who looks a little bit like your guy who's like controlled by the computer who like everyone's super into. That would be amazing. Yeah. Um, huh. Yeah. So, yeah, I recognize those as, as being good games, um, but I just, you know, not for me for very long. Mm-hmm. True. Yep. Dennis Furia of The Level um, has a two-parter. Um, what modern game would you most want to see redone in an 8-bit style? Ooh. That's and, a good question. Yeah, and then the uh, the the opposite side of that is what eight bit game would you most want to see redone in a modern style? Wow, good question, Dennis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good good job. That's gonna take. Um, Dennis got his in a little bit late, so yeah. I didn't have a chance to look at that and think about that. Because mm-hmm. um, it's hard not to just pick like whatever I happen to be playing at the moment. <laughs> yeah. You know, because yeah. of, of course I want to see. That. I love like D makes. Like if you look mm-hmm. up those like eight bit. Uh, Video game D makes. Those are a lot of fun. Yeah, two of my favorites are uh, somebody did a Silent Hill two D make. Um, oh, that's which cool. which which is like really cool. Um, it's kind of in the style of like uh, of uh, oh gosh, what is it? Uh, not Corpse Party. 
What, what, what's the, uh, the the NES horror game? I should know this because I'm playing it. Oh, Sweet Home? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of like Sweet Home, except uh, except with a Silent Hill flavor to it. It's really hmm. cool. Um, and then there's also a, a neat little uh, Portal demake uh, as, as if it were done on the Atari 2600. I think I've seen that one before. Yeah, yeah. Um, also very neat. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, good question. Yeah. So modern games that I would like to see. So it's tough because like a bunch of the games that I play have like, you know, antecedents or, you know, they have ancestors like from that era. (laughs) So it's like, yeah, pick pick something that like, yeah. So, I mean, so you can't pick really dark souls because it kind of has a little bit of an antecedent to it, even though someone did do a dark souls demake, like a a Commodore 64 version of it, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that that's what makes it kind of tough. So I'm going to pick one, and I don't want to be stuck to it. Right, you know, like I'm not right. going to say I'm going to change my mind halfway through, but I don't want to get called out for this. Mm-hmm. Um, when I try to think of something that has not really been done, I would like to see a something like a like a Deus Ex or a Human Revolution done in an old style, where they take that problem solving philosophy of those games and apply it to an eight bit style. So like a game, like an older game, where you could. You know, you can solve approach problems in multiple paths, like player choice being the the imperative. And mm. I have a hard time thinking of how that's replicated now. Yeah, that'll be real that that would be real tough. Like, yeah, I mean it would be it would be different. Like I'm just imagining like a two D thing and there could be events that you could find and you know it would be a lot of the same stuff, mm-hmm. but just in two in two dimensions and simplified. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh that that would be for for lack of uh, a better answer, that's my answer for that part. Yeah. Uh, a game that I've been playing uh, like recently, and just j- just because I I yeah, this is a hard question. Um, I would like to see uh, Prison Architect done like that, hmm. um, just like that kind of like top down sim style kind of thing, really simplified. Um, in mm-hmm. a, you know, like in in a way, uh, kind of like a gosh, um, you know. So it'd be like Lemonade Stand, except it's people's lives, <laughs> 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 pretty much. I think that'd be kind of cool. Um, just because, just because Prison Architect is so robust um, and, and mm-hmm. a little bit overwhelming at times, um, a little simplification would yeah, help. It. Yeah, yeah. So, like, distill it down to that again, that lemonade stand kind of flavor um, mm. or level of complexity. And I think that uh, it, w- it would be neat. Which isn't to say that you know Prison Architect isn't awesome because it is. Right. Right. Yeah. So, in reverse wise, I'm trying to think of a game that uh, is something that isn't really done in modern games. Yeah. You know, so that's why I would want it to be kind of uh redone mm-hmm. um which is which is trickier um yeah. i feel like there are definitely some neat things that video games don't do as often as i would like them to do okay i want to see uh lemonade stand uh updated you know like a modern hd remake and you start out as a little kid but you actually start uh building out a soft drink empire oh, okay like a long view like the spore <laughs> yeah, equivalent of yeah yeah lemonade stand now you don't just mean cart life <laughs> So, yeah. damn it yeah, yeah. i guess <laughs> yes i, I yeah. suppose that's true oh god i love cart life yeah cart, cart life is special yeah um i want to i guess i want to see um i'm just going to pick a random property like a random game i really love mm-hmm. and say i would like to see a, a, a well done remake of it um the uh, little nemo game for nes oh yeah is a is a perpetual favorite of mine that's a really fun platformer and uh, it has this kind of whole like making friends with animals to ride inside them mm-hmm. mechanic that is that is really neat. And I could see that game translating well to 3D because it is so much about exploration. Mm-hmm. Um, it is all about you know you have to find a certain number of keys to exit the level. 
And uh, I could see, you know, with kind of more hiding places and everything like that. Like, hopefully it wouldn't just turn into Banjo-Kazooie. Um, and, and if they, they did well at hiding the collectibles. Yeah. Um, I guess the keys aren't really collectibles in that game. But yeah. that, that's my, my answer, again, for lack of a yeah. thing. Yeah, so so my perennial example uh, w- w- will be Bionic Commando. And I know that they've done it. And I know that, like, Bionic Commando rearmed is technically a thing but i would love to see a you know an actual 3d version of that that was not abysmal like the uh like the one that we got was i don't know if you can do it i think that part (laughs) of the reason why that was abysmal was because it was in 3d yeah like i think i think that grapple like grappling hook Mm -hmm. like there there's you you can count on like one hand the number of games that do grappling hooks well in 3d Mm -hmm. you know and it's spider-man 2 yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, so, so, so give me that <laughs> yeah exactly so you want yeah. spider-man 2 is the and but, guess, but that yeah. with a bionic commando skin and bionic commando mm-hmm. stuff to do would be really neat yeah yeah so 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 yeah <laughs> my, my my answer is a missed opportunity that already exists yeah yeah fair enough mm-hmm. that works um michael uh duck tv super fan henderson says uh he'd like to hear us talk a little bit about bootleg retro games do we have any or have we had any experiences with them there are some horribly hilarious ones out there but there are also a few that have a surprising amount of detail and dedication considering what they are yeah so by this he means like the um i think there are like a couple popular zelda ones um you know the names are escaping me right now but every time i go to a convention or expo and they'll have them at the portland retro gaming expo there's someone who does kind of cart reproductions mm-hmm. of these um and they're neat ideas like they're somewhere between just like a straight up rom hack and you know like it's it's like rom hack fan fiction <laughs> but sometimes a little bit better right um i played uh super mario world x i think is the name of it mm-hmm. um which is a, a super mario world sequel that that's done that's really good hmm. um i like that um that i can't remember what it's called but the the game where you can play all the different NES characters in, you know, essentially in Super Mario Brothers. Oh, yeah, like Super Mario Remix or whatever it was. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. I don't know. That's not exactly like this. That's not a bootleg. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of a similar idea. Yeah. I think that game is a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I thought he was referring to stuff like Dot Gobbler or, or something like that, where it was like a like a fast follow, like, oh, like a knockoff. kind of thing. Yeah. Like, 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 like a knockoff. But uh, you he, you may be tuned into a specific terminology that he's using. I, I think that I am because okay. I, I wouldn't I would never call a Dot Gobbler like a, a bootleg. Yeah. Like it's not it's not a homemade thing. Mm. It's just it's just a, you know, a, a product bereft of imagination. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so I have no, uh, I have no experience in this, so I can't contribute. I'm sorry. You know, you know what I would want, like if I ever get like a a good like a you know NES playing because I, I sold all of my, you know, most of my physical consoles. If uh, if I wa- was to get something that played NES games, I would love a translated copy of the NES remake of Final Fantasy VII. Oh, really? Yeah. Have you ever seen anything about that? No, no, I haven't. That's really interesting to me. It's Final Fantasy VII. It's the story and mechanics of it, but it's all overhead 2D. Huh. stuff like check it out it's pretty neat looking and like i've i've seen um online people selling carts of it mm-hmm. but it's always you know it's in japanese there's no translation right um that would be really cool to me i could see that being pretty fun to try to play that game that way yeah i'd be real interested in that mm-hmm. yeah yeah what does michael say uh I, that was michael oh sorry. Um, it, you're up. i was wrong okay cool okay. uh so Jed Moody asks, Resident Evil 4? Yes, What's a Resident please. Evil 4? Um, 
Yeah, yes, please. Please, um, I love it. I, yeah, I love Resident Evil 4. I think it's too long, but I love it. You I, you say that a lot, but I, <laughs> I've been, you know, I've replayed it, and I don't know if I if I, I think just, it's more too long than any other Resident Evil game. It, it's, it, I just, I, I experience more fatigue, like, by the time I get two-thirds of the way through Resident Evil 4 than, like, from pretty much any other game. Like in the multiple times that I've played through it, I've never had to like fight through some kind of inertia around the time when you're about to leave the the, the castle. <laughs> like it, it's it's true that the game has a stronger opening than ending. Yeah, and and, and it's not and it's not even that. But I just think that it just it just it's too long. Well, it could be partly that because in the beginning you have you know this really compelling like all the village stuff is impeccable mm-hmm. and. You know, you have that kind of drawing you forward. Yeah. So when you don't have that, like that's the the later mm-hmm. stuff is a little less interesting. I think it's interesting again when you start running into the uh, Nova stores or whatever they're called. Mm, yeah. Or the uh, yeah the the creepy things that are made of jelly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I love Resident Evil Four. Yeah. Um, it's the first game that like I've said it before. I've called it a thing, but like a slow action game mm-hmm. where you're it's all about taking considered shots. Yeah. At things and that's really interesting because that's more or less what Resident Evil has always done. Like, it is not, it's not very much a horror game, but people say it's more of an action game. Mm-hmm. It's also not very much of an action game, right? Like, it is, it is a really weird, considered, paced, yeah, you know, experience almost, you know, in, in that manner, kind of Dark Soulsian, yeah. Um, and and it does, it, it, it does a lot of really smart things with the way that it gives you resources. And in that mm-hmm. way, like I still consider it a, a, a survival horror game, just because of 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 the way that it uses um, how it doles out resources to kind of heighten the tension, you know. Yeah, it's just not very scary. Like for the right. most part, like there right. are some parts that are that are. It's it, it's so. tense. It's it's more of a um, you know exhaustion kind of feel. Yeah, you and know? the the man, and talk about a missed opportunity. Like I'm a kind of a Resident Evil Five defender, mm-hmm. but the parts where Resident Evil Five shined. Mm-hmm. Make a game where it is about you and a person, similar to the scene in Resident Evil 4 with Carlos, but um, a co-op game where you're in a house defending it right. like that. Like, though, that's some of the most fun I've had in games, like when that happens in RE5, mm-hmm. where, like, you and a buddy, you know, your house is being stormed and you have to frantically, like, yeah. run from ammo cache to ammo cache, like, knocking down ladders and barring doors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I want a whole game that is just survival scenarios like that. It's almost like um, the Sniper Elite Zombie not, I think it's called Sniper Elite Zombie Nazi Army, Ugh. which is one of the least. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what you should do. But it's actually a pretty good game. Don't, huh. uh, the title is terrible, <laughs> but it's a co-op sniper game that has a lot of situations like that. Yeah, it's a lot of the two of you defending a location with limited supplies mm-hmm. against an onslaught, and that's really fun. Any way oh. you cut it, um, and it's it's like it's like fifteen bucks. Too. Yeah. Like so, me and me and my uh, buddy Derek, it's a little too hard. So that's why we and the checkpointing yeah. is really terrible. But it's really you know when that works, it works really well. Mm-hmm. And that's those are my the most memorable experiences in four for me mm-hmm. is that scene where you're with Carlos and you're defending the barn or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so tense, like yeah. just so you know, watching multiple means of egress and yeah, you know, super great. Yeah. So. Yeah, I love that game. It's real good. I like the I like the Wii version a lot, actually. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, saw, I, I sold off all the other uh, versions of that that I had, just to just yep. to have the the Wii one. Yep, I I agree. Yeah, um, yeah, the Wii version is is excellent. I'm still waiting for six to get cheap enough to buy it uh, on Steam, um, and looking forward to it. But I feel like I don't know, like I I six I, or five I had fun with, but mm-hmm. I want six to be better. I think you'll have fun that. with six. Yeah, I'm sure I'll have fun with it, especially if and if it's co-op, I'll have fun with it. Yeah. That's how co-op works. 
Um, Tim Anderson says, uh, tell us about Gary's cat. He or she is my favorite podcast guest. Um, his, oh. it's a, it's a he, his <laughs> name is uh Rorschach. Um, I've had him for about nine years now. Um, he was a gift from my, uh, former, uh, wife. Um, he's excellent. He, he is, uh, <laughs> he's, he's, he's very affectionate. Um, he is, uh, very scared of people who aren't me, which I kind of like, <laughs> um, he, uh, makes, I don't know if I can get him to do it. Let me see if I can, Morris, come here, Morris, I care. What? He, he doesn't like it. If you sneeze, like he goes like, <laughs> and kind of makes this noise at you. And then. Whenever I can, if he sneezes, I look at him and go, ah, and then he gives me this really funny look, which is like, I'm sure he's not doing it intentionally, but it's a really fun little bit of comedy I have with my cat. Um, I just cleaned my old apartment after I moved and I found enough cat hair to like construct another cat if I wanted to. So, um, it definitely, you know, cat ownership is not for, uh, you know, you have to accept a certain amount of disorder, disorder in your life. But as I mentioned mm -hmm. earlier, like, I would have my you know last couple of years would have been significantly more miserable hmm. without him. So, yeah. and uh, yeah, I'm glad that people people like him, and I'm glad that nobody's <laughs> complained about it. Like I'm not, I wouldn't take it hard. But if somebody you know was on the message board and was like, "Can someone get that fucking cat to shut up? It's unprofessional." Like that's a real dick thing to say. Yeah, like, like <laughs> you know, this is like a member of my family. I'm not gonna you know, what yeah. am I supposed to do? Mm -hmm. You know. Like it's, a, it's a living creature. Have some respect, give, asshole. Give, okay, do you want to pay for a studio? All right. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, not just that, but yeah. just, you know, who gives a fuck? Like, I mean, again, I'm just mad at someone that doesn't exist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I should calm down about that. It's dumb. But the, uh, yeah, he's, he's just, uh, I'm glad that people dig him. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Cool. Uh, ben Plitz asks, favorite video game guilty pleasure? This has come up. Um, I don't want to uh, keep you out of your, uh, um, you know, your response so we can expound upon it. Yeah, the, like the notion of the guilty pleasure is weird. I, I don't like there are plenty of things that I do that I don't feel great about. But like in terms of like media consumption, there's nothing that's just like, um, you know, like, oh, man, I don't want anybody here to hear you know, hear me playing this. Yeah. Yeah. The big breakthrough like, I had with the idea of guilty pleasure is when I realized that it's perfectly fine for me to like something I think is bad. Right. Like something can be like, I think this is objectively bad, but I still like it. Mm -hmm. And once I got over that cognitive dissonance, like that I had to be so impeccable that my tastes were, were flawless, mm -hmm. um, then I relaxed about that stuff. Yeah. So like there's a game, it's bad. You know, like that Magic the Gathering game, like fairly bad, you know, but that doesn't change like the pure fact that i'm getting enjoyment out of it like you know enjoyment as a as a pure chemical thing mm -hmm. is really hard to argue with yeah and you shouldn't deny yourself it based on like that's what pretension is <laughs> yeah. is when you're putting on a pretension that like you are something that you're not mm -hmm. you know and it's like yeah you know i had a lot of fun with that me and me and Derek co-opt our way through judge dread dread versus death <laughs> on steam it was tons of fun it's a bad game mm -hmm. but like i wasn't embarrassed to have people see me yeah like it, like get, get over yourself. Like if that's, <laughs> if you really believe in the idea of a guilty pleasure, like get over, you know, you're not that impeccable. Yeah. Stop worrying about what other people think. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's not something morally suspect, like I wouldn't want somebody, if I took, 
Well, I guess I do take a pleasure reading like men's rights message boards, but that's because like <laughs> yeah. from an anthropological angle, if like if I was, you know, getting sustenance from those ideas, I would feel mm-hmm. guilty about it because it's morally wrong. But <laughs> the uh, I shouldn't feel guilty about liking something that I like. Right. You know, yeah. like uh, Fleetwood Mac mm-hmm. or Erasure or something like that. Like, who gives a shit? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, some of those songs are wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Abba Wright wrote some amazing like, songs. Like, mm-hmm. who gives a shit? Like, what is it? You know? I don't know. Yeah. And I'm not trying to make it sound like the question is bad. No, no. It just, it's just like, just like it's, the, it's the notion, right? Yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd be interested to hear what other people qualify as their guilty pleasures. Um, honestly, like maybe, maybe we'll make that a level prompt. I don't know. But I just like just like I, I'm so unfamiliar with the notion that it's hard. Yeah. So, and I bet you like I would react to them being like, oh, that's, you know, I would either say like, oh, that's a bad game or that's a good game. Yeah, but I'm never going like, to think less of somebody. Mm-hmm for liking a thing yeah the, okay so so th- this discussion has revealed one thing that like i kind of have a hang-up about and like uh, so i feel the need to explain it and that may be that may make it a guilty pleasure but visual novels um hmm. i really like those um they're hard to get here in, you know in america because not a lot of them have been translated the reason that i can say like that i'm guilty about it and like i would not play one in public or i you know i <laughs> i don't say it out loud in a non-safe place like my own podcast um is because they are often you know um sexually oriented um especially uh you know if if, if they are straight from japan you know that's a huge market um mm-hmm. o- over there and if you say i like visual novels and you don't immediately say uh, like, oh, stuff like nine, nine hours, nine persons, nine doors or hotel dusk um, or the Phoenix Wright games, like a person who is, you know, familiar enough with the genre to know that those kind of things exist, like the really anime style hentai stuff um, will jump to that conclusion, possibly. Yeah. So like that, like that's one where I have again, where I have the hang up, feel like I have to say I like visual novels, but not the creepy gross ones. Right. Right. And that goes into what I was saying about like something being like morally. questionable like that's because the thing is creepy not just because Mm -hmm. like you would feel you know somehow less than for driving Mm -hmm. pleasure yeah uh from something um i guess like some of that stuff that i am anthropologically interested in like that men's rights thing i do feel i need to disclaim that (laughs) it's not guilt but i just i do need to explain like no this is just funny and fascinating to me well it's not you know it's it's a weird existential version of poe's law which is like yeah. I am making fun of this, but it is close enough to things that I, that actual people believe that I don't want you to mistake me for for being somebody who actually believes it. Right, 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 right. Um, yeah, and it just the uh, uh, I guess with, with the uh, with that stuff, like I just want to, you know, I know like something that happens to me a lot at work is knowing more about internet sex subculture <laughs> yeah. than than anybody really should. <laughs> Um, and of course, and if you I, know about a thing, you tacitly approve of it or participate in it. Exactly. Like that fallacy, I think, is 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 a problem. And I find myself disclaiming a lot of that. Yeah. So maybe I don't talk about me being really into like like Lou Reed's the Internet or something like that. And it's like, oh, yeah, he just talks about people who want to fuck Pokemon, you know, and I don't maybe won't talk about that. But it's not guilt. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Amy Holbrook says, uh, wants us to talk about, um, obsessive planning or organization of gaming, um, slash nostalgia for when we just played things. <laughs> um, man, I am going through a huge bout of that right now yeah. with us uh, playing final fantasy seven for yeah. the show. Um, I miss that a lot. Like my obsessive planning, uh, essentially like inability to relax is something I really don't like about myself. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but something I'm really guilty of. Yeah. And uh, both both me and Cole are both uh, pretty into, um, like to to probably a mentally unhealthy degree, planning out our time. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I mean, I don't know if you. I'm not trying to implicate <laughs> you. I think it's mentally unhealthy on my behalf, yeah. and I probably think it's a mentally unhealthy on your behalf too. <laughs> I don't. You know, I'm not trying to you know, cast a cast anything upon you, but yeah. I think that it probably is not the way to live. True. Uh, and yeah, I don't. I don't know. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. So like, you know, my whole backlog thing, um, having, you know, just like trying to figure out a sensible order to play these things in. Um, because if I don't, I will defer to kind of like the easy version of just kind of like playing stuff that I've already played before. Like I feel a responsibility a to finish the games that we, that, you know, that we say we're going to finish, uh, for our shows. And then mm -hmm. in general to experience as much game as possible. Um, you know, in order to talk about it on the level or to have a, vo a vocabulary to talk about it, you know, here, uh, because I, I you know, I, I want to construct my life in such a way that even the things that I do that would just be, you know, frivolous, I, I, I am getting enjoyment out of them, but it is also kind of, you know, building in a constructive way towards some other endeavor that I am, you know, the, 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 that I am pursuing, uh, you know, same reason I read comic books, um, you know, like, or I've gotten into them so much is to increase visual vocabulary because that's what I do at work. You know? I, I that we're talking about the same thing. Like yeah. I know that's what it is. Mm -hmm. I just don't. I just don't think it's great. Yeah. Like, and I'm but, talking about me too, but I do mm -hmm. it too. I feel like it's people who don't do this mm -hmm. in a lot of ways are are happier people. Like, have you ever seen someone relax, Cole? It's amazing. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, 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 but it's it's been hmm. okay. So I'm yeah. just damning myself by presenting my case in a very earnest way. It has been so long since I like since I have been not doing this you know, to like, like in some way, shape or fashion. So this is just the way that I have come to live my life. And me, I would too. Yeah. Like I, I'm not, I'm, we're, we're saying the same thing. <laughs> okay. Like we're not, we're not arguing against yeah. different. We're not, you're not clarifying yourself. Like we, I, I know what you mean. Okay. And it's to a large degree, the same thing I do. Like I'm okay. not researching for work, mm -hmm. these things, but I do a lot of like my stuff down, you know, I do pursue a lot of the pleasure I pursue for projects or on a different level of kind of obsessively planning, mm -hmm. you know, I will put aside time during a day or, you know, I'll budget my time specifically for these mm -hmm. things that are effectively supposed to be just something that, yeah. you know, like to relax. And I don't like, I'm not convinced it's a good thing. Like it mm -hmm. allows me to get a lot of things done. Mm -hmm. It allows me to do some neat things. Yeah. At the same time, I just wonder, you know, I'm not sold on it as, as a, you know, necessarily a hundred percent healthy thing yeah. is my point. So I, so I always have like a, like a pressure release valve, um, on stuff like that, either just something that I know I want to sit down and do just for fun for like, for like, for no other purpose than to, than to, you know, have that oftentimes for me, it's, it's like the newest, latest game that came out. Like I treat the last of us that way, just kind of like, Oh, I have 45 minutes to kill before a thing, or I'm ahead on final fantasy seven. So I'm going to sit down and play this and yes i will take notes or whatever but i have you know like that that is in place of where other people would sit down and watch you know everybody loves raymond yeah i mean i understand that it's not uh i'm not losing much mm -hmm. for it. like the opportunity cost part of it but i do think that there's something kind of fundamentally and we all stop including you <laughs> in it because i feel like it's maybe causing some like justifiable defensiveness but like yeah. 
I feel like there's something, the fact that I think of my downtime in terms of opportunity costs like that is something that's probably broken in my brain. Yeah. Like, I think that's probably unhealthy. Hmm. And I'm really nostalgic for the time when I didn't do that. And a lot of that is, can just be, you know, having more time. Mm -hmm. Like the times when I didn't do that had to do with less responsibility in my life. Right. Um, But I do think, I know, I know people now who are my age who, who, Mm -hmm. you know, work the same number of hours I do, who are not shiftless layabouts, who seem to, you know, spend less time obsessively kind of planning their, Mm -hmm. their downtime and spend less time obsessing over that kind of detail and i i feel like that is a healthier attitude yeah so uh, okay so so like i'm not taking if i i i it may sound like it i'm not being entirely defensive i think that i'm just trying to describe the way that i've rationalized this um which is that what's the difference between rationalizing and being defensive no no just like just like to to, to, again to clarify you, you know and just and just kind of like say that like if planning stuff out allows me to relax like knowing, <laughs> knowing what I'm not doing lets me be comfortable with not doing it. I think I think that I think that's true, but I, there was definitely a time where I didn't need that. Yeah, I guess yeah. that's where the nostalgia part comes in, where I was just kind of more would allow myself to yeah. kind of let time pass. Yeah. The, like, like 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 that time when when I didn't need to do it, like that that is a me from so far back that it might as well be a different person. Like before I solidified into the adult mind that I am and have. <laughs> you know, but I mean, and I guess I, the, there's nothing and that's, you know, a, a solidification that I've made as well, but it's not something that's inherent to the condition of adultness. Hmm. Like I know adults for whom that is not true. And some of them are just, you know, sit around and just watch reruns of everybody loves Raymond and don't do anything. But some of them are do do things that are just, I just feel like are more, more well adjusted, like need fewer yeah. systems than I need in order to, to make their way in the world today, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not into mm-hmm. it about myself. And like again, going back into that, simultaneously being able to believe something about myself that is negative, mm-hmm. you know, liking something I think is not good. I'm, you know, this is where I'm at. This is what I do mm-hmm. um, in order to make it. But I'm not convinced it's the best way. Like right. I, I'm very subjective about it. I feel like it's not. Uh, I'm not actively trying to change it right now because I can't. You know, mostly because I I would give up things to change it, but yeah. the uh, things I don't want to give up at the time yeah. right now. I'm I'm a I'm a voracious consumer of things um and I want to maximize the amount that I can get and if I don't systematize it I will fall into patterns and routines because that is the way that my mind is built that will keep me from you know seeing more of you know what's out there yeah yeah and I you know, I've come to terms with the you know with, with 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 that being just the way that I approach things and I don't I don't feel dissonance about it yeah, I, I do a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely something that I do, and it helps me get a lot of things done um, compared to a lot of people I know. Uh, but it also, uh, you know, it also means that I fret, you know, I can be, if I had to wait for a bus for 20 minutes, mm-hmm. like it can make me panicky because it's bad use of time, right. you know, that I didn't budget for. And that's not, I feel like that's unhealthy. Yeah. So, hmm. um, yeah. So... Sorry to get heavy <laughs> on you, but that's, you know, I looked at this question. I'm like, you know what? I am really nostalgic for that. And just, it's happening constantly with Final Fantasy VII because, you know, I'm playing it now and I'm still enjoying it and really, mm-hmm. really liking it. But I used to be able to just kind of sit down and just kind of like bask in it for, for hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll talk about that in the episode. And now it just, I just feel like I have, it's just not carefree. 
yeah. anymore. Like I, it's hard for me to think of the last time I was carefree. Yeah. You know, even if I'm on vacation, like I'm still thinking about, I'm still kind of ruined by what I have to do mm-hmm. next. Yeah. You know, even if I know I have 45 minutes, I have budgeted to do a thing. I, you know, there, what comes after that 45 minutes, Yeah. you know? So I definitely, I have a nostalgia and probably a, a mental health need <laughs> for the, uh, to regain the ability to become carefree. Mm-hmm. Again, in the yeah. way that I, I used to be able to do. Like, like uh, again, Final Fantasy VII, like, it, it, <laughs> falling into that, it, you know, it speaks to a larger, to, you know, to a larger thing. I know what's coming after that. Like, I, you know, I, I can look at my calendar before I start a task and say, okay, this is what's happening, you know, there. And then when I get into it, I can just totally disconnect. And as long as I'm not interrupted by something that, uh, that, that brings me out of it, just get lost in it entirely. Hmm. You know, and just and just kind of sit there and enjoy. And that's what's been so awesome about Final Fantasy seven, you know, playing that this huge time commitment, you know, kind of kind of thing. And maybe it's because I got an early start. But I find this even with games that I that I get a late start on for the show. You know, you can kind of like hit that meditative, uh, you know, place as long as you get lost in it. Right. Yeah. And I don't just mean. Just Final Fantasy seven. I also yeah, mean like yeah. if I go out for a night or if mm-hmm. I go to like the beach or something like that. Yeah. yeah. You know, I still tend to think of like what I'm not getting done mm-hmm. um at the time. Yeah. So man. Yeah. And, and that's a place where we where we disagree. <laughs> it's one of our biggest points of difference is the is the whole productivity managing how you get stuff done kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's not surprising that there's friction. Mm-hmm. for quote-unquote friction <laughs> yeah it's not really friction like we're both doing very similar things yeah it's just i feel like the like the productivity thing has to more to do with like the way it's systematized mm-hmm. yeah so and the selling of it like that's that's <laughs> like uh, that's 90 percent of my problem with all that stuff right is that someone's making money off making money off it mm-hmm. yeah. um cool so the next one is uh you i believe uh yes it is jonathan Mm-hmm. He's, he asks us to please pronounce the exclamation mark. Says, "Okay, Dungeons and Dragons, spooky music." Mm-hmm. Dungeons and Dragons, Satan's yeah. game. <laughs> yeah. um, Tom Hanks died to Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, Tom Hanks, the human cleric. Um, <laughs> the uh, yeah, we're going to talk a lot about Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're going to do a whole episode on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things we're doing when Cole comes up is he's going to sit in on my gaming group. Um, I have Levi of uh, Bonfireside Chat, alum fame con- constructing like we're gonna play it in 3.5 but constructing a classic like second edition style dungeon romp Ooh. for us to go through um for that uh, i love D. that's something that when i had that breakthrough about guilty pleasures there was a time in my life when i i wasn't playing and then i started playing again and wasn't really forthright about it mm-hmm. um because i did have a kind of like a shame you know like i didn't want to get teased because it's such a classically nerdy thing mm-hmm. um but i got over that and uh, D&D rules. And it also, like, tons of things that you love about video games wouldn't exist if it wasn't for D&D. Right. Um, you know, the the influence, if you like role-playing games at all, you owe a huge debt to yeah. Dungeons & Dragons. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I mean, it's 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 fun. You know, it, like, it can be frustrating at times. Like, I, I didn't always have fun when I was doing it. And it's tough to extricate yourself from that. Like, you can't just turn it off. You're sitting there at a table and it's like, it's been four hours. Why are we still in this fucking bar? Yeah. <laughs> you to, yeah. Like, pacing is really important. Like, yeah. that's part of that finding a good group mm-hmm. bit. Like, if you can find people who will who will pace things well, like, we will, and you, the other thing with D&D is, like, I feel like don't just play until it's done. Mm-hmm. 
like if you're going to start playing D&D, have, you know, we, I have a, a, like a weekly game night and we play from about six to about nine thirty, Yeah. And that's it. You know, like that's, that's, we're more or less done unless we're right on the cusp of something and we mm-hmm. have to stop. We just stop yeah. and pick it up next week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that, that's better because I've definitely done some all day things that are exhausting yeah. um, and pretty miserable. Um, finding that good group is really important. If you have somebody that causes dissonance, like kick them out <laughs> because it's not, you're not going to have fun and no one's going to have fun. Right. Um, so I met a lot of my friends here. Like as an adult, you make friends through systems. Like even though that's not true, anybody you make friends through systems. So like, you know, when you're in school, you make friends. When you're in college, you make friends because you have these structures around you. When you leave the college world, it's a lot harder to make friends. Like you right. either have the friends you used to have, or you make friends through work. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're, you know, I moved to a town really not knowing anybody, and uh, met some of my friends uh, through like gaming group stuff on the SA thread. And, uh, you know, and that, you know, I met other people through them and, and it was, it's just been a really, uh, it's been very positive. It's <laughs> not drawn me towards Satan whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the very idea of that is absolutely ridiculous. There's a Kickstarter that recently went through that's about a documentary about the, the D&D Fuhrer, you know, fervor. Fuhrer. <laughs> the D&D yeah. Fuhrer? Yeah, yeah, the D&D <laughs> Fuhrer. Gygax himself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, the fervor about the... Uh, you know, yeah. the, the scene worshiping and all that nonsense. Yeah. Um, and if you've ever sat down and played it, it's the stupidest thing. That's the dumbest <laughs> yeah. idea. Well, you know, if your character dies, you have to kill yourself. Yeah, ex- exactly. And, and you know, <laughs> why, why mess around with this, this pen and paper magic when you can use real magic? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's so stupid. Yeah. That's so stupid. Yeah, you have to be initiated into our coven of witches. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't, I don't say coven. <laughs> Sounds like oven. Um, oh man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If there was a favorite movie question, that probably would be up there on the list. That's a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. D and D rules. Like, D- give it a shot if you've never played it before. I assume you have because you asked us about it. But if you're listening to this and you have like a good group of buddies, like, mm-hmm. and also you don't have to go into it and you know speaking character the whole time. No. And do any of this stuff. Like, don't do that. You're just like sitting around with friends making dumb jokes. And like rolling some dice. Like if you get a group of funny people playing D and D, you will have tons of fun because mm-hmm. it is fun to sit around and play a game with funny people. You know, just don't take it so seriously, and it's it's great. Yep. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyle Odin uh, says, from a Ninjas versus Podcast fan, would you rather wink flirtatiously after every sentence or be completely mentally sound except unable to use faucets? Go. Hmm. Okay, so I always start picking at the semantics. Uh, like, okay, so just faucets, or are we also talking like spigots, taps, uh, things like that? You know, I'm gonna say yes. Yes, we're also talking go, about go with, go with the spirit. Don't don't be a pedant. Go with the spirit of the question. <laughs> You're asking me not to be a pedant. Uh, yes, yes, <laughs> okay. I am. I've been waiting to ask it for months. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Look at the spirit of the thing. Okay. So, um, if I was completely mentally sound, I wouldn't be so, um, hung up on not being able to use a faucet. Just be like, oh, okay, you know, I'll just shower when it rains or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, man. Or in like the, the dirt, like in, uh, oh, like, like a ferret. Yeah. Like, like a ferret. Like Mel Brooks. Yeah, like Mel. Um, <laughs> um, you know what? I think that the I think I would rather go with the the wink flirtatiously because like this that like that could just be an affectation that you have, and yes, it would affect your social circle and your professional life. But I think that you would find I, th- I think that that would drive fewer people away than you not being able to bathe. Yeah, that's my that's my answer too. And I would just lie and say I had Tourette's, <laughs> and that was a twitch. Like no joke. I, that's how I would get away from the get around this. Would you rather? Yeah. It's just like because I, I I know a guy who does that more mm-hmm. or less 
all the time anyway. It's not so flirtatious, but yeah. he winks after everything he says, more or less. And mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, yeah, he has Tourette's, and that's why he does it. So that <laughs> I would lie and say that. The faucets thing, you know, uh, I would, you know, maybe even get someone else to use faucets for you. Yeah, I guess. Like, like that, will you fill you up know? this water bottle so I don't die of thirst? Well, that, that's it. But you drink a lot of bottled water. Yeah, is the thing too. It get expensive. It'd be hard yeah. to cook. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, I feel like that's a that's a, the clear winner. Yeah, for that one is the and, wink. And then, like, if you had a dishwasher, if you press the button, technically there's a there's some kind of valve structure in the back of that that goes, so you wouldn't be able to use a dishwasher. Yeah, would you be able to do that? And yeah. then you couldn't wash your dishes, and that's mm-hmm. you're buying new dishes for everything. Yeah, like, it's gross. essentially like a life of waste. Yeah. Yeah. Like the yeah, so that's mm-hmm. pretty pretty rough. The the winking doesn't seem that bad. No. Um, and hey, yeah, who even knows? though if you, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it might work out. Have you ever met like a real winker? No, like, no. My boss is a real winker, and it's kind of it's kind of funny. Like he's he's you know totally. I I think he's a great guy, and there's nothing nothing untoward about it. But he oftentimes will wink after he says something, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just kind of like, huh? People do that in real life, huh? <laughs> you know. Hmm. Uh, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, let us see here. Brian Pinkos asks, uh, what is it about retro games that makes us keep going back to them? It's a good question. Um, lots, lots of things. Yeah. Um, advantages to retro games include, uh, you know, affordability. Um, the, uh, you know, kind of like a, they're widely available now mm-hmm. for the most part. Like it's very easy to, to get things. There are, um, you know, not all video games are... I like new games, too. Not all old games are better than new games. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them are, though. So you close yourself off from a huge... You know, uh, I've talked to when you played Fallout. Like, I was just so frustrated by the idea of people who I've met who can't get past that kind of interface. Because mm-hmm. it's such a good game. Yeah. You know? Um, the uh, You're cutting yourself... If you can't adapt yourself to that kind of context which is kind of hypocritical of me like i have a hard time appreciating most old movies mm-hmm. doesn't mean i don't love the third man it doesn't mean there aren't like modern old movies that i think are really wonderful mm-hmm. you know, if you just kind of close yourself off by by a time like an arbitrary time moment you're losing out on a lot of great art yeah yeah like just if you if you outright refuse to watch a black and white film um, right <laughs> right yeah um yeah, and also uh, it lends itself to, to – I bit my tongue there. It's not a speech impediment. Um, it lends itself to certain uh, genres too. Yeah, yeah. So the, uh, if you like platformers, you should – you know, even though that's not – you know, indie games are kind of bringing that back. Yeah, yeah. But if you like a certain kind of platformer, mm-hmm. like uh, you know, you're going to find those more frequently in yeah. old games. If you're a fan of a sensibility, like, like the – actually the majority of survival horror games are actually coming out in the past like five years. But like what people generally think of as those, like you know, you have to go back to the, to the early PlayStation or like you know, mid-90s PC. You know, if you, I will show you my list. I will show you my, uh, my spreadsheet of it. Like it is ridiculous how huh. much the genre has exploded. That's interesting. Yeah. Because I, I guess it's a certain kind of survival horror though. It's like yeah, a subgenre yeah. within that, you know, like the tank control resident evil style, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, that's of a certain time mm-hmm. and that's not really going to get made again. Right. You know, um, yeah, there's just and then there are also genres that are at their peak mm-hmm. at a certain time, like undeniably. So it's not just a sensibility, but like if you like, I feel like if you like JRPGs, mm-hmm. like that's that's the time for it. Yeah, is oh, SNES yeah. And just PlayStation, because, like yeah. because the stuff that has come after that has been, you mm-hmm. know, like a lot, of, like just not not as good in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Yeah. Um, and and you know just just by sheer like numbers, 
right? Like, as a general rule, there are more games in the past than there are in the future, at mm -hmm. least ones that you can play. And uh, a game that's been around for a long time, has, you know, it's been around to be vetted. If people talk about it, you know, like, okay, so the chatter around a game when it first comes out is largely meaningless or useless to you in terms of selecting what you're going to play. However, there, you know, if, if a game has been around for a while, you know, like these, the, the, these flags are put into the timeline saying this thing is canon. It is worth your attention if you are interested in this medium or this genre or or this something. So like there's a there's a level of dependability there, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And and you know, just from our perspective, for doing the show, part of the reason why um, we focused on that um, is that it's not it is a little bit of a niche. Mm -hmm. So you know, there's a there's such a focus on you know the hot newness, you know the hot new thing. Um, you know, we wanted to do something that was not a, you know, a little less explored. Mm -hmm. Not that we're like trailblazers, like there are no, tons yeah. of media about old games, but um, that's part of it. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 I, Thank I, you, Brian. That, that is a very, like, fundamental question that, like, was harder for me to answer than I expected it to be. Yeah. It's yeah. just, and you know, it's not a, we're not wanky fanboys about no, nostalgic no. things. Like, we, we treat things evenly. You know, and, and the last um, last thing we recorded, uh, or the last Abject Suffering, I was talking about how, like, my favorite thing is to go back to something I like and find new ways to appreciate it. Mm -hmm. You know, have modern me like it as well. Yeah. Um, I try not to get too blinded by nostalgia. Um, so when we've gone back to things that maybe I thought were really neat um, as a youth mm -hmm. and found them wanting, like, I'll be honest about it. Yeah. It's not, you know, the things are, but there are plenty of things that we go back to and are amazing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's not just nostalgia. So, um, Alan asks, uh, how far have you gone in trying to make a video game? Trying to learn C++, Perl? I know you nerds have tried something. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when I was first looking into schools, um, I went into computer science because I wanted to make video games. Um, mm -hmm. That was a terrible mistake. Uh, I waste, and I didn't waste a year. I still graduated in four years, but I quickly <laughs> jumped ship uh, to get out of that uh, just because uh, I, you know, I, I don't think like a programmer or maybe I do think like a programmer, but I really hate math. Um, mm. And uh, for as much as like the systems and everything, it's just kind of like, uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, there, 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 are, there are multiple like, you know, how to program and blah, blah, blah books on my bookshelf. Um, or, you know, game design for, not for dummies, but, you know, we're like pretty close to it. And I've like ventured into using like RPG maker or game maker, um, uh, doing things. I've done things in flash. Like one of my, uh, I did a, an art history project, uh, where like basically the, the, the prompt was take an artist that we've studied and a modern artist and kind of like make something that, you know, kind of combines the two. And so I made a flash game that, uh, that was based on Salvador Dali, uh, but also, uh, incorporated tim schaefer um so mm. it was a salvador dali inspired kind of like point and click adventure game uh mm. done in flash and it was god awful but uh yeah that is technically a game that i made yeah um i back in the like when i had my dos computer me and my friends we would fuck around in q basic mm -hmm. um we made a lot of text adventures um kind of as a group none of which were any good mm -hmm. um and then when i went back to school when i first mm. moved to portland i took a uh, video game making class that used Game Maker, and made a you know a handful of games using that. Um, none of which are good games, <laughs> um, but I was really proud of a couple things that came out of it. Um, one, uh, and this is I've talked about this before. I've talked about it in relation to my shitty college experience that I've <laughs> I've had. Um, but the teacher for that class was a real piece of garbage, 
And for the final, like, you know, we would show, like, this is a maze game, and then would tell us how to make one and just tell us how to make our own, or then tell us to make our own. And uh, the I made, um, took, and we never did an adventure game, and I did, like, a Mac Adventure style adventure game, like, using the tools that are presented. And it was, like, mm-hmm. a wonderful learning experience for me. Like, here, you know, you never taught me these, you gave me these separate pieces. I'm going to put them together to do something that you never taught us to do with them. And uh, I got a very dismissive response. And it's not a very good game, but it was really satisfying to learn how to do it. Right. And then uh, I made a platformer that's help, help Martin Page get to the House of Stone and Light uh, <laughs> that I think is really, really funny. Um, you fight The two things you fight are Toad Let's Rocket at the end of the, is the boss of the first level, and Peter Gabriel, who throws sledgehammers at you, is the boss <laughs> of the second level. And then every key on the key – so instead of power-ups, like you, if you get a power-up, you get one point. If you hit these little question mark blocks that tell you facts about Martin Page's life, you get 10,000 points. <laughs> and every key on the keyboard is keyed to a Martin Page fact. <laughs> so, like, you move around with the arrow keys and jump with Z and X, and then every other single thing you can press just brings up something about Martin Page, and you get 10,000 <laughs> points. And then the ending involves you going through all these halls to the House of Stone and Light, hitting musical blocks that sing the chorus from it. Um, and then I covered that song and played it at the end. <laughs> Um, and I was like insanely proud. I think it's a really funny idea. And then the <laughs> teacher was just like, you put a lot of work in this to the, into this, but it was a large file and hard to download. Please stop adding music files to your game. Like Jesus. go fuck yourself. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, the, like the whole like educational structure around like, you know, how to play games or, or not how to play, but like how to make games. It's real sleazy. And like, mm. it leads to a bunch of like one-off classes like that, that are like not reputable or a bad experience. Uh, yeah. you know, l- l- like that, like I had one class about game design, but really it was more about like doing design documents and everything. Mm. But yeah, that's horse shit with that. With yeah. That teacher I, I learned a lot, yeah. but I just, I taught myself a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, in that class. Yeah. So, but, uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things I, I just would be wary of. You know, if if anybody's like going to high school and like I want to go make games, like I like what I wish I would have done is just sat down and made a game as opposed to like fretting about will I get into DigiPen or not or can yeah, I just teach yourself. Yeah, yeah, like I uh, like you know th- this kind of thing for like it's it's an autodidact market mm-hmm. in the world of game making. Yeah, right now. So, yep, yeah. Um, so that's that's where we're at with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, let us see here. Uh, Jeffrey Geodude Lawton uh, asks us, childhood video game experiences. Yeah, or well, that's the discussion prompt. Well, yeah. He, he understands. Like, he's not like he asked that. Yeah. He just gave us a discussion prompt of that. So he, he it's, it's not him that he that does not understand syntax. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so no, no I, I'm, not, I'm not teasing or anything. I'm just saying he didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't want to point, paint him in yeah. a certain way. Um, yeah, childhood uh, video game experiences. That's broad. Mm-hmm. Um, Go ahead. Like, do you have something on the tip of your tongue? Uh, I mean, like the, the 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 earliest like childhood video game experiences I remember, we had an NES in the house for basically as long as I could remember, and uh, um, even before I could like understand how to play, um, I would uh, get really upset if if my brother, my older brother Chris, would stop playing because I was watching him. So basically, it was him continuing to play um, at the risk of me freaking the fuck out. Mm. <laughs> so. So yeah, yeah. I I had that experience as well. Um, would do that kind of thing. Uh, my cousin who had a, a Genesis, um, he would, uh, you know, we'd be sitting around trying to waste some time. I'd spend a couple weeks over there in the summer, and uh, he'd ask me which game I wanted to play, and I would always choose like you know 
lengthy role-playing game type things. Like I always like wanted to play Fantasy Star 2, which I don't know why I wanted to watch that so much, mm-hmm. but I was just like into role-playing games and uh, he never wanted to, do, to, to play it and he always wanted me to pick like Strider or something. Yeah, um, yeah I remember um, like my, you know, so when I first got an NES, I got the, the box with the, with the gun and everything like that. I got two games, um, Mega Man 2 and Operation Wolf. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember uh, playing that and being kind of like, you know, no other kids on my block really had an NES until another guy got one. Um, and he got one and he got it around when Mario 3 came out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember him going and telling the kids in like the kind of the, the playground um, about it. And he's like, he said, wait until you see this airship. It is pure firepower. <laughs> and like, it's so funny to me to think of him describing something as pure that firepower. Cutesy. Yeah, well, the the ship in, in Mario Brothers 3, like something mm-hmm. that cute yeah. as pure firepower. <laughs> um, yeah, and that, that's the same. That's why I lived in that trailer park. I told the episode, that story in the first episode about us playing Mega Man 2. Mm-hmm. Um, there was my, uh, from a dollar store, like my mom bought us all these little swords mm-hmm. um, once, and they were essentially the same length as the sword from Zelda 2. Oh, yeah. So we had like a little fun pretending campaign of being... Uh, Zelda, and we each gave ourselves a Triforce, so we have like <laughs> power, you know, power, magic, and wisdom, and then like gave ourselves magic powers mm-hmm. based on those. Like that's not really gaming, but that's kind of you know just showing how fucking you know a, a video game freak I was at the time, how into it I was. Mm-hmm. Um, in, yeah. in, in the first episode, we talked about uh, we talked about how we used to role play or not role play, play pretend Mega Man in our respective yeah. trailer parks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's what I was just, I was just talking about. Like, um, yeah. whereas Quick Man by the dumpster. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, yeah. So thank you, uh, Geodude. Mm-hmm. Um, Brett Murphy asked a very difficult question. Um, who is your favorite NPC, Sulik or Minsk or Mort? Um, yeah, if this show, if Watch Our Fireballs goes on long enough, Cole will be intimately familiar with all of these, <laughs> as opposed to just one of them. True. Um, Sulik from well, Fallout I, Two. I know Minsk. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, Sulik is from Fallout 2. Minsk is from Baldur's Gate. And uh, Mort from Planescape. Yeah. Um, Mort. Yep, Mort. Yeah. I, I love Sulik and Minsk. Mm-hmm. I actually like Sulik a lot more than I like Minsk. I've never yeah. been the Minsk fanboy that a lot of people are. Yeah. And just like Minsk is so one note, whereas Mort actually has like, uh, like his voice acting is really good. And also mm-hmm. just like he's written really well, like a bunch of the other stuff in, in yeah. Planescape. Not that Sulik isn't, I have not experienced it, but I mm-hmm. like Mort's story and just yeah, kind Mort of has his a general really demeanor. Fascinating, yeah. yeah. Fascinating backdrop. Mm-hmm. Um, Sulik is really interesting too. Yeah. And, uh, we'll, we'll learn about him soon enough. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yep. So uh, Becky asked catchphrases for the modern man. Yeah, that's a very inter- Becky is a coworker of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a very interesting question, uh, <laughs> Becky. Um, yeah, uh, don't trust people who aren't kind to animals. I'd buy that uh, for a dollar. <laughs> yeah, that's not modern. That's I know. Like a reference to like <laughs> that's a thirty-year-old reference. I know. Yeah, that. that's the opposite of modern. Yeah. It's modern in Cole's weird parallel evolution world. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jeez. Yeah, uh, I've got this thing happening recently where I say something, and then people attack me for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you missed the premise. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, um, that's tough. I, I don't. I don't know. I, I feel like I speak in nothing but catchphrases a lot of the time. So yeah, and they, they, I can't think of them in terms of catchphrases. Like, there's yeah. definitely like things I think are true. Mm-hmm. 
You know, like I've been thinking about, uh, you know, don't uh, don't be the kind of person who wants to take anything, you know, take like a happiness away from somebody. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody's enjoying something and you think it's dumb, like even if you could, don't try to take that away. Yeah. That's a shitty thing to do. Like, you know, let the, let the juggalos have their like gathering. Like, yes, it's fine to make fun of them mm-hmm. and stuff, but they're really happy for one day a year. You know, like <laughs> one week a year. They're like the happiest. They, they're happier than you've ever been in your whole life. So let them have it. You know, that's great. Yeah. Don't uh, don't be don't be a goalkeeper. Don't uh, don't try to be an arbitrator yeah. of uh, what other people can and cannot do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, that's more of like an axiom or more of a uh, just yeah. like a general commandment. I don't know how much of a catchphrase that is. Yeah, I have a hard time with a catchphrase. Is what yeah. happens. Yeah, don't as, uh, <laughs> like like really. You just like took a paragraph to say don't be hating. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, YOLO. Yeah, there we go. Catchphrase for the modern, <laughs> yeah. modern man. That 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 won't date. <laughs> um, <laughs> that that will that will age well, I think. Yeah, you'll live forever. Yeah. Um, you only yeah. live once forever. Yeah, <laughs> you only live we, once, comma forever. Uh, you'll live forever. You'll laugh. <laughs> uh, my cousin Yolof uh, mentioned that to me. No, the um, yeah. So uh, I don't know, like specifically a catchphrase. Yeah. Lots of axioms I can I think just, of. I'm fine, you know, you know, I'm fond of as you do, just because it is very, it, it is, it is like so it goes, and just you know, just that it is a way to like take a breath after something ridiculous and just draw attention to it. Yeah, that as a catchphrase works incredibly well for me. Yeah, even though as you do, I tend to use as you do as like uh, when a. Um, a non-obvious course of action is yeah, posited yeah. as the only course of action that mm-hmm. could happen after something. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's more. It's like more ironic than, mm-hmm. and so it goes. Yeah, like le- more, like less resigned. Mm-hmm. So it goes is pretty good. Yeah. So so it I'll, goes I'll is, take... is, is is applicable. I think. Well, both. Yeah. Geez, that's like a sixty-year-old reference, Gary. No. Yeah. You're, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah. But so it goes does apply. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um. Yeah. For the for the modern man, yes, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, Camel Pope asks us, uh, "What old school sixteen bit or thirty two bit RPG will be most remembered thirty two point five years from now?" So, hmm. so in two thousand fifty one, I think so. Okay, or no, two thousand forty, two thousand no, two yeah, two thousand yeah, twenty forty five, yeah, twenty forty five, yeah, yeah like, like so so like where we're at, it's like the beginning of twenty forty six. So okay. Um, like 16 or 32, like, so 16 slash 32. Yeah. Like, or I assume, or, yeah. Um, that's that, that is really hard. Yeah. I I have, I have no idea because I Um, I don't know what makes something memorable. Yeah. I mean, like I'm tempted to say chrono trigger. No, you know what? I'm going to go, I'm going to say earthbound. Because it is, it is not just a you know this is the because Chrono Trigger as much as I'm like a little lukewarm on it is oftentimes posited as like the perfection of that genre, mm-hmm. but Earthbound is really fucking weird and awesome and had this huge controversy around it. It was made by a popular author, um, you know, it is super offbeat, and everything. I'm gonna say Earthbound. Yeah, I mean, so like that whole run of any final, like it would have to be Final Fantasy. Just because, like, like no matter what indignity that franchise suffers, 
um i don't think like it, it just it never seems to like go away or be diminished or have like you know stuff from that era you know be you know, you, you know suffer from it which ones from that range of you know four to nine will be like the most well remembered i'm not sure maybe seven because it was the most like well marketed and it's also the most controversial of them um yeah like I, I think that like the, that that's probably the the more realistic answer now that I think about it, the answer is Final Fantasy IV because Square will be selling it. Then. <laughs> so you'll be able to buy yeah. it on whatever the new kind of like brain cell phone yeah, true. you're using. Which, you'll be able to buy if, you know. which I will be an old ass man and really happy that I will still be able to play Final Fantasy IV. So. When I think about it, 30 years ago, though, like that's that's the part that makes it tough. So like 30 years ago would be, you know, like it's like 19, you know, 1980 yeah. for us. Like what games from 1980 are well remembered now? Space Invaders. Yeah, like I mean, there's so few of them, and just like narrowing it down to a genre like that. Eighty, eighty was Pac-Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Pac-Man's really well remembered. So yeah. thinking of it in those terms, though, it makes it yeah. a little tricky because there are genres that are not represented. Yeah, there, there are genres, and it's also like it's a more crowded field, too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that is yeah. tricky. Um, yeah, who knows? I mean, it doesn't want to end up being like Star Trek: Next Generation, where people are constantly making reference to things well before their time. Oh, yeah. You know, I think we will probably be referencing brand new things at that point. And these games that we're talking about will most likely just kind of be curios hmm. um, for, for completionists yeah. at the time. Hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. Alex Johnson um, asks us, JRPGs or Western RPGs? Which actually is a really nice question to follow that one. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, but I'm tempted to like... You know, so articulating the difference is something I was thinking of when I was reading these questions, you know, because it's it's a little bit, you know, like Dark Souls is a Japanese role playing game, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like it's not typically what is meant, though, by this by this statement. You can't say Um, you can't say turn based because there's the Tales series and Star Ocean. Yeah. Yeah. You can't say turn based. Like one of the biggest differences that I find is uh, in JR in. Western RPGs tend to be a little bit more zoomed in and a little bit more D and D in character advancement. Yeah. Um, you have a lot bigger of a, a hand in that in a JRPG. Um, that's, that's probably my, my answer. If I have to choose yeah. um, one or the other, those are my favorite games of all time are, you know, Baldur's gates, fallouts, torment. Yeah. Um, Deus Ex. I think, so. I think taken as a whole, um, Western RPGs, like if we're talking about all of history from 1980 to now, Western RPGs are more consistently like enjoyable and you know kind of rank higher. Although there, like there are high points of JRPGs, you know, from Final Fantasy IV up through Chrono Cross for me personally. Um, that mm-hmm. like I would pick, you know, at, at at a given time, depending on how I felt, I would pick one of those over a, a, a you know a given Western RPG. Which mm. don't, don't take that as like you know a broad statement that would apply everywhere because you know it's so, right. it's so mercurial. But, and and, uh, it, and being yeah. fair, like there's like a you know like as much as it, within the the two of me and Cole, like I'm probably the bigger champion of Western RPGs, but like mm-hmm. Cole's like you know one of the biggest Mass Effect fans in the world. Yeah, that's everything. That's a that's a Western RPG. Yeah, you know there's a there's a it's, it's a they're really broad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, categories. I guess like as a design philosophy, like if I'm not thinking about specific games, I'm mm-hmm. more interested in. Uh, you know, like the, the appeal of RPGs for me a lot of the time is crafting characters mm-hmm. strategically. And uh, I like having a more direct hand in that. Yeah. 
Like that's that's something I'm a big fan of. Like even a, a JRPG that I really love, and a lot of the same ones Cole really loves. I really love as well. I don't think would be hurt by having a little bit more of you know a little bit more of a robust system behind them. Yeah, yeah. as well. Like, and I, I mean that's that's impossible to actually mm-hmm. you know say one way or another. But like you know who I can't. It's hard for me to think of like Final Fantasy IV being worse if like I could control how my guys leveled up and what powers they got. Right. That seems that seems like it'd be rad to me. Mm-hmm. It would be adding you know sauce onto an already delicious dish. Yeah. So and thought about that way, I I definitely uh, I agree with that. I also like think that you know like agency in the story, um, you know, is <laughs> is is a bigger deal in Western RPGs, and I like that. Um, yeah. A lot more. You know? I like that a whole lot too. Like yeah. JRPGs are kind of about taking, or you know, are more they're more, you know they're more narrative. Yep. And like I can enjoy that kind of narrative, but I still feel like Western RPGs, you know, you can you can kind of do both. Like, mm-hmm. and that's a you know I'm playing Mass Effect One for the first time. I think that's what my jury is still out on whether I'm going to end up you know liking it as much as Cole, but I'm liking it so far. Mm-hmm. And that it's kind of trying to do that balance. Like it's definitely yeah. telling you a story, yeah. but it's also giving you some agency in the story. Yeah. And I, that's that's you know that those are important things. Like ch- player choice is what makes a game. I so. think I think in general it's like you know like JRPGs are lean back and then Western RPGs are lean forward in terms of like what it asks of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I tend I tend to like to be a little bit more engaged. Yep. So that would be that would be my answer. But that's not to say like we both love both. Yeah. So there are tons of JRPGs I absolutely adore. Mm-hmm. So, um, Blaine Namir says uh, he is a huge game collector. Do either of us collect anything? Yeah. I really don't like I've got a bunch of games, but I wouldn't consider myself a collector. I I think that like, you know, as I'm gearing up to do the survival horror thing that I'm always talking about, I will eventually like want to own, you know, all the games I'm going to be talking about, Mm -hmm. which like, like, like that's the only thing like I right now I am interested in pursuing getting more physical things to own. Like, Mm -hmm. so, so, so yeah, like I've got a huge you know, shelf full of games and a huge shelf full of books, but I wouldn't consider myself a collector of any of them. You know? Yeah. I, I don't have a collector mentality. Um, yeah. I kind of half-heartedly collect choose your own adventure books mm-hmm. and I half-heartedly collect Harlan Ellison novels mm-hmm. or short story collections because there's so many of them. Yeah. And when I say half-heartedly, it's like, if I see one, I don't have, I'll buy it. Mm-hmm. It's usually a couple of bucks. I've never, gone through i used to be um i was pretty big into collecting action figures i used to have like a complete set of uh marvel legend action figures if you know what those are mm-hmm. um and ended up kind of miraculously selling them for how much i paid for them oh wow um out of box and everything it kind of what was what financed my move when i moved out uh after the breakup and uh, i used to be pretty obsessive about that and i would spend you know decent money for a rarer uh figures just to have a complete set but mm-hmm. that part of me died and i'm i'm pretty happy it's dead yeah. Like there are things I have a lot of, there are things that I, I really love. Not that I don't, uh, you know, I, I can take a joy in owning a complete set of something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've had this idea, um, floating around of trying to get a complete, like, I want to get, um, the ability to bind magazine and comic books so I can bind my loose comics cause they drive <laughs> me nuts. And then, uh, then I want to see what it would look like to try to get a complete set of Nintendo Power oh, and yeah. bind those. So I have those like bookshelf like editions of just like if I ever want to sit, you know, sit down and just like instantly feel like I'm 12, like flip through and look at ads for, you know, all this nonsense. Um, that that has an appeal to me. Yeah, but I haven't I haven't done it, yeah. and I likely wouldn't spend very much money on it. True. So. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I just like I don't have that. I, I I don't have to catch them all. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And and that's a and that uh, is with me in video games too. I never try to get everything yeah. in a game. It's very rare. I got all the achievement in Binding of Isaac. It's singular, mm-hmm. and that way, and those are gameplay related. Yeah. They're not collectibles. Like I never try to get all the Pokemon. I never try to get all the whatevers. Mm-hmm. Never, 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 never. So. I'll try and do like every quest that's available to me. Yes. But yeah. Yeah. game is more important than a collectible. Yeah. Like I will try to do as much of the game as possible. Yeah. But hmm. Hmm? let's see here. So will Owens asks us, what do you think about full motion video games? Um, I'm in favor yep. of them. I, I've enjoyed the ones that I have played um, that were not like on Sega CD. <laughs> um, like, like, I, I, those Sega CD full motion games are pretty shitty. Um, but like, <laughs> PC adventure games that are full motion are great. Yeah, yeah. Phantasmagoria, Seventh yeah. Guest. Um, yeah. Gabriel yeah, Knight 2. You like that? Yeah, Gabriel Knight 2. Yeah, fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, all kinds of good stuff uh, in that world. Yeah. So I'm in favor. They're a little goofy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but if you, if they don't have to be, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, you can, you can make them not have super shitty acting. Mm hmm. And stuff, and then they're they're fine. Um, it's it's a it's a weird way of like you embracing the artifice of something. Mm-hmm. Like they don't look good no. necessarily, but you just kind of have to appreciate them based on what they are. Yeah, you know, um, which I can do. Yeah, I remember playing a uh, a game for Sega Saturn uh, when I was over uh, at my cousin's house, uh, Corpse Killer. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah, was it was a light gun shooter. Um, that was like having, you know, had, it was acted out is before I like knew better. I was like, Oh man, this is sweet. It's like, you're playing a movie and it had a, yeah. crowd, it had a credits roll at the end and everything, you know, yep. uh, which that shouldn't have like surprised me because like I was playing lethal enforcers before that. And that was a, that was full motion video kind of, but mm-hmm. it was more digitized actors. It wasn't, you know, yeah. Mortal, but, mortal Kombat isn't full motion. video. Right. Right. So yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um, but like mist. Yeah, some full motion like you can almost consider that to be a full motion video game. Yeah, in which case um, I am for it. <laughs> yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think we're both both for it while recognizing it's pretty dopey. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I I still like like I'm, its dopiness. I'm surprised that there's not been an attempt at that in more modern senses. I know that there are some like iPad games, and then like there are a couple of Kickstarters. Like there was a Tex Murphy Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, I think that the, the closest we've ever gotten to that in like a mainstream game would be like. Uh, how they were still using, you know, actual actors in Command and Conquer games for three and four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's a good, that's a good point. It's probably expensive. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, that's that's you know what it probably comes down to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and those scenes in Command and Conquer are really funny yeah. and really great. Like they're cheesy, but you like get, I can uh, I can appreciate them. You get uh, what's um, what, what's what's his name uh, Simmons. Um, you know, J.K. Simmons. Yeah, J.K. Simmons. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah Spider Man is a menace. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, Andy Cabot, uh, asked what my fear or what our favorite gaming memory is. Mm. Um, that's tough. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot, Yeah. a lot of them. Um, I've talked about it before as a period, but the, uh, when I first got introduced to that kind of suite of perfect computer RPGs, um, was a period in which I had moved back in with my mom for about six months, mm-hmm. um, because I lost my job through to some, due to some bullshit. At the time, and uh, an apartment I was going to rent went, came through. I kind of had this string of bad luck and had this weird little, in my early 20s, had this weird resurgence, you know, like a flashback to what life was like in summers <laughs> in high school where I could just kind of like, you know, play video games and hang out with my friends and play in a band and have very little responsibility. Right. 
And uh, playing through those games is, is one, definitely one of my favorite times. Like I, I was limiting my sleep because I wanted to to play through those. Like I would go to sleep and then I would wake up and I'd be like, well, I could fall back asleep or I could get up and keep playing Fallout 2 and see what happens next. Yeah. Um, and that's what what I did instead. Yeah. So that might be up there. I don't want to. I wouldn't. If you held a gun to me, I wouldn't. You know, necessarily stand by it. But yeah, favorite one that pops to mind. Favorite's tough. Uh, I remember when we got our SNES. Uh, just like it was just out of the blue. Dad just took us to Walmart and we got it. And we got uh, the, the the SNES Super Mario World came with it. And then um, uh, Star Fox as well, mm. uh, which you know Star Fox is looks amazing when it's 1992 or whatever, <laughs> yeah. and you're you know and and you're and you're five or six, and this is the you know the the the, the new hotness in terms of uh, you know video games, um, and then just kind of spending that weekend uh, down in the basement, I think at my cousin's, um, you know, playing that uh, you know with uh, you know the, the 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 whole family trading off back and forth, um, and then just getting like new getting new consoles at Christmas. Um, in mm. general, like for, like for <laughs> before our basement at the house you know, where I grew up was finished, I, I, I have like distinct memories of like having a TV that was up on a countertop and then laying on a mattress and playing both the Sega Saturn and the Dreamcast. Um, mm. like not even sitting on a couch or anything, but just like laying on a mattress in front of this and then playing it like for the duration of break afterwards, you know, mm. uh, you know, nights into dreams for the for the Saturn, and then uh, uh, oh gosh, um, Sonic Adventure and Power Stone for the Dreamcast. Yeah, and, and then PlayStation came out sometime in between there too. So, so yeah, getting new systems rules, um, especially when you have the free time to really sink into them. You know, yeah, I I, I agree with that too. Yeah, um, yeah, I've, I've definitely had that uh, that memory. I think I've, I might have said it just before on the show, mm-hmm. uh, you know, randomly, but the. Uh, I knew I was getting a Super Nintendo because I opened up a game before mm-hmm. I opened up the actual oh, system. Yeah. I grabbed a, I opened up Turtles in Time mm-hmm. before I actually opened up the Super Nintendo, and that was a really great, yeah. great moment. My 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 um, when I, the the year that I got my Game Boy, my grandpa in South Carolina uh, sent a gift, and it was Battletoads for the Game Boy. And mm. the, you know, like I my mom let me open it up like a couple days before Christmas. And I was like, huh. A, game for a system i don't own oh man grandpa probably just didn't know and that, i think that's what mom said like oh he does you know, he probably you knows you like nintendo probably thought that this was the right thing and then you know the couple days later getting the game boy i was like oh everybody knew all along yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah that's a, man that's a, that's something i feel a lot of nostalgia for mm-hmm. like i wish i could get that back that uh new system yeah you know feeling like if i buy a new system now it doesn't feel like that right even whatsoever. Right. So I definitely missed that. Mm-hmm. Let's see here. Mike Niehaus um, asks us, what's your favorite Frank Zappa album? If this is not applicable to either of you because you're not familiar enough with Zappa's catalog or if you've somehow never listened to any Zappa, would you be willing to give uh, some a listen and get back to me? Yeah, I meant to uh, you know, do some more kind of deep dives yeah. with Zappa in preparation for this question, um, which I didn't do. Um, I do have a couple of like Zappa uh, you know, talking points though. Um, <laughs> I like Zappa a lot more when it's instrumental mm-hmm. than when it's vocal. Like, uh, the guy, the, the way he sings will kind of grate on me a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think like peaches and regalia is an amazing song, um, which is a real like common opinion when that's not a deep cut or anything. Um, but the, uh, I would, in my first kind of serious band after high school, we covered, uh, let's make the water turn black, mm-hmm. um, which is a real weird, zappa song and it's like a kind of a pop figgy pop 
sixties pop psychedelia song, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, but I've never been able to like kind of deep dive on albums. Um, his voice kind of gets on my nerves. Yeah. I'm the same way. Like I will not turn off a Zappa if it comes up on, you know, Pandora or whatever. Um, I have a lot of like intellectual respect for just how many genres he can do, you know, just Mm -hmm. like the, 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 the breath and how he kind of like, if, if he wanted to, he would never, he, he, like, he would never have to sound like himself, you know, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the, the band, you know, just from album to album, changing everything up like that. But like, I can't say like that I know enough to have like a favorite album of, you know, like whatever period or, you know, even really name a favorite song, you know, so it's just more of an intellectual kind of appreciation. Yeah. yeah. I, I have that kind of respect for him too. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, undeniably, undeniably amazing, uh, you know, amazing musician. I'm just kind of like a pop guy mm-hmm. though, too. Like when it comes to music, like a lot of the music I listen to, um, pretty poppy mm-hmm. and uh and a lot of frank zappa isn't mm-hmm. um so there's some some of those kind of genres like i can really get into some prog but like some kind of jazzy stuff i have a uh, some real blocks with yeah and uh just doesn't get past that initial like you know drawing me in stage mm-hmm. so sorry if that's a disappointing <laughs> yeah. answer um definitely not you know don't mean anything personal but i have a lot of respect for the dude mm-hmm. um true but that's where we stand um william segrist uh, ask us to talk about pixel art. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I am for it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think it looks really good. I think that it's very rare that, um, you know, kind of uh, 3d rendered art will look better mm-hmm. than pixel art. Like sometimes it'll look kind of serviceable, you know, right. and there's some, some really great looking, you know, beautiful games with really great kind of art direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but like a really well realized piece of pixel art, I think looks really Really wonderful. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think it's for the same reason, you know, when we did our video game music uh, episode talking about like chiptune, you know, 8-bit music, when you had just like the limited number of sound channels and everything, like those limitations of needing to work in those kind of, you know, discrete blocks um, mm-hmm. really kind of drives that economy home and forces you to make difficult and interesting choices, mm-hmm. um, which makes it really neat to look at. And then it's more timeless, right? Yeah, and and appreciate you know just like we said before, like appreciating the artifice mm-hmm. is really important to me. Yeah, um, as, in a sense of aesthetics, mm-hmm. like appreciating the way that something is not like real life is as a separate choice as opposed to a, a shortcoming. Yeah, is something that I'm very passionate about. Yeah, um, and I like there's some just amazing looking video games that have come out uh, recently. Now that this kind of huge boom, mm-hmm. um, you know, indie games, you know, doing this. Like we, uh, you know, I just was recently playing through uh, Rogue Legacy. Mm-hmm. Really good looking game. Yeah. Like really amazing gigantic sprites. Yeah, look really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, like uh, a time when I will like reject pixel art is when it is kind of invoked, uh, you know, by like you know somebody on the internet who is just kind of like retro games always better, blah blah blah. You know, buying you know Pac Man, you know, uh, bracelets at Hot Topic and whatnot. I think that it can be used as this weird little rallying point but like that is more just being offended by people in general and the way they behave as opposed to yeah. like, not liking the thing never never just any uh never judge anything by the worst of its fans yeah um, except dave matthews yeah <laughs> um well and then also too it's like it's just a separate aesthetic thing mm-hmm. like yeah. if you're into that like it's fine to mm-hmm. like the way that looks better yeah yeah you know um yeah, and then for the most part, I do. Even though there are tons of games that I think have, you know, where modern games will make up the difference for me is in art direction. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have a, a wider vocabulary 
in that sense yeah um in modern games usually and that's kind of where you'll split the difference so the individual characters may not look as attractive Mm -hmm. you know but the actual so you look at something like a bioshock infinite those characters look fine Mm -hmm. like i like the way the characters look but it's not that impressive to me as just a standing model but the kind of world building and art direction you can do makes it a really great looking game right you know yeah so Mm-hmm. Moving on, Andrew Cleaner asks uh, or brings up the topic: gaming burnout slash apathy. Yeah, I yeah. haven't had like a real serious like I'll get burned out on a specific game, mm-hmm. but I haven't felt like done with video games in a long time. Even though I've had long periods of time in my life yeah. where that was true, kind of like this weird period, kind of where Cole's at right now. Like in my <laughs> mid twenties, there's a long stretch uh, after that CRPG uh, era time yeah. um, where I didn't play very many video games. Yeah. There was a time in um, kind of uh, mid to late high school where I done fall off um, mm-hmm. in, in, in terms of that. And I don't know if that was because of, you know, social calendar or just, you know, just high school, you know, going out and hanging with girls. And <laughs> I don't know, mm-hmm. but just like, yeah, it was it was it was like, you know, like around the time, like right before we were getting ready to switch over into this current generation where I just just kind of like lost interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What do you remember? What got you back into it? Uh, Half Life Two, I think. Hmm. Yeah, like yeah. just like building a building a gaming PC to 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 get into the, you know to get that. My my story is similar, but it's sadder than that. Uh, mine was <laughs> building a gaming PC to play uh, Deus Ex Two. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I, I will defend a little bit. That's yeah, an underrated yeah. game, while not being great, but mm-hmm. it's not as bad as everyone says it is. But that was, it was definitely a specific game that evoked something from yesteryear yeah. that got me back into it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but yeah, I, I can definitely uh, you know sympathize with fatigue. Oh, and then, well, and then specifically too, um, I mean, not to cut you off real quick, but I was just remembering that was PC. The thing that got me back into consoles was Rock Band oh, or yeah. not Rock Band, Guitar Hero. Yeah. I yeah. really wanted to play Guitar Hero and that's what ultimately ended up getting me to buy a 360. Because mm-hmm. I, I just, I played it at somebody's house and I was like, this is amazing. Like, okay, this is my life now. Like, yeah. this is so fun. Um, and that got me to get a console, like a modern console. And, uh, I hadn't had one in years and years. You know what? That resonates for me too, because like the thing that got me back into console, um, you know, after my PC kind of days in the, you know, uh, in, in high school was, um, uh, college going to college mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, taking guitar hero, uh, with me there. And then I remember riding on the bus for a very long time to get guitar hero two when I didn't have a car. Um, and then, you know, playing, uh, shadow of the Colossus and uh, silent Hill two and resident evil four with, uh, my college roommates who now coast the level with me. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, that, yeah. That, 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 was probably a, a contributing factor for me as well. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Um, Amanda, ask us, uh, is there any value to studying video games from critical academic perspectives? If not, do you also feel uh, that way about critical studies of novels, films, etc.? Or are video games the exception? For example, here is my school's effort at serious video game studies. And there's a URL for uh, www.firstpersonscholar.com, yeah. which is a clever name. Yes. Um, this is something I've wrestled with a lot. Um, the I feel like this kind of academia in in a lot of ways and a lot of mediums is, and in the strictest sense of the word, not, I'm not using this word to dismiss <laughs> it, but is masturbatory. Mm-hmm. Like the, you know, some of these kind of like, well, what if you, what do you gain from a race reading of gremlins? <laughs> you know, it's a little masturbatory. Like yeah. you're not taking, you know, it's not the author's intent. It's not, 
I don't want to take that away from you if it makes you feel closer to the art. But its objective value is something that I'm not 100% sold on. Yeah. You know, if it's fun for you, great. If it's fun for anyone who reads it, great. Mm -hmm. If I do, I feel like it's advancing like anything. I don't know. Yeah. Like I've wrestled with this a lot with school. Yeah. It's, it's hard. And just, it's, it's hard not to just kind of like lump any feeling I feel about this towards, you know, my general rejection of just kind of like, let's talk about semiotics or something like that, you know? And I, and I, you know, I, my, my school program was basically a film program. So I went through a lot of that. And I think that where it gets most useful for any kind of media like that is looking at like where it collides with society like maybe not just studying like the intrinsic value of the thing for itself, but uh, to use like a movie example, I really love film noir because like I, I liked it before, but then I took this class um, that kind of like looked at it in terms of, okay, what did this reflect about, you know, people's anxieties um, at the time that this, you know, genre was, genre was really like hitting there. And then how did society react to these things like being popular? So seeing that right there, I think that, you know, you could, you could talk about, you know, just the way that games, you know, and society kind of interact in a way that is, you know, that, that, that is possibly meaningful or, you know, in kind of a comparative way, like looking at, um, you know, the, 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 the evolution of the thing, uh, you know, the evolution of the medium, you know, kind of like, as it is kind of, you know, kind of reaching these different plateaus of, you know, not profoundness, but ambition, Right. Like, I think that that is cool and worth thinking about, you know, even if it's just from the business sense, like looking at like, what's the business of this thing and where is this, you know, how is this affecting the way that we consume things that like, those are all interesting questions for me, but like looking at the semiotics of, uh, you know, what's the dumbest game I can think of. I don't know. Gears of war. I'm not sure. Like doing, like doing those kind of deep readings, um, feels, feels a a little disingenuous to me. Yeah, like a, a business, like a historical business reading, I, th- I tend to think of in different terms than yeah, a critical yeah. academic one. Yeah. Um, I agree with you that there's value there. And I think that there could potentially be value in similar to how you're, mm-hmm. you know, when you take something, how it compares to society. The thing with video games is so many of them don't warrant right. it, you know, um, like you can say like Final Fantasy VII, you can do a deep read on Final Fantasy VII as it reflects like environmental mm-hmm. anxiety, right? Yeah. But it's so ham-fisted. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like it's not there's it just doesn't it just doesn't warrant it. Mm-hmm. Like it's such a young medium and the the examples from which that kind of stuff, you know, you can mine a rich vein mm-hmm. uh there are are few and, and far between. Yeah. Um you know, even the, and but there are games that'll have kind of like a narrative arc that I think kind of, you know, uh bears like that kind of exploration. Mm-hmm. But when you start getting like there's definitely I can I can't put my finger on exactly describing when, but there are times where it feels very masturbatory yeah, and times when it feels more valid. You, and you, that, you know, it when you see it, right? Yeah. Like there, there are certain things I think are kind of, you know, a good, a good comparison. Like mm-hmm. if you wanted to make, you know, like you were talking about doing this like dark tower, dark souls thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they probably share a lot of the same themes. There are, you know, kind of things that like dark souls that you can reasonably say says about real life mm-hmm. and the, and you know, um, what it's like to be a person. Um, notice how I stretch that sentence around and not say the human condition. Um, the, 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 uh, uh, and, and I, I can get behind that. But mm-hmm. then when you start saying that like the, you know, Estes flasks 
represents like civil rights, yeah. you know, or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Like that stuff, like, yes, you can stretch like semiotics always seems to me like it's the idea that anything is anything. Yeah. Yeah. You and know, if, and if you say it with enough gravitas, it must mean you're smart. Exactly. And like, you know, what value can something have if anything is anything, mm-hmm. you know, you're, once you're no longer making distinctions in a totally subjective world, there's no, there's like almost no value to anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just yeah. value where you find it. Uh-huh. And I won't stop Which, you from writing that essay, but it doesn't mean that I want to read it or I think I'm being enriched by it. Yeah. Like, you know? like and you know, when we, when we, we, we do it less now, but we often joke about like the freshman English reading of something. Mm-hmm. And when we say that we are almost entirely referring to the notion that any given piece of a uh, piece of literature is entirely about either how the author is gay and either right. does or doesn't know it, how the author was on drugs when they did this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or how it relates to Marxist theory. And, and like, man, the, the fact that like masturbatory is such like, I keep saying that word. That's yeah. the, the billion dollar word. It's really appropriate. Like I took this short story class, uh, last year and there was a like kid in my class who was just, you know, a, a, a college English teacher's wet dream. And every, everything that we read, he had to pack, like bend and contort to fit into these interpretations. And the teacher loved it. Like he was like, we were read the, um, the latest like collection by uh, Sherman Alexie, which is, you know, really wonderful. I don't know if you've read that guy at, or at all. Um, it's really great. There's a couple of stories that have strong sexual themes. Mm-hmm. And this kid is like, it's almost as if he's saying in order to deal with the past, we must, we must literally have sex with it. And there's two stories in which a character has sex. Like there's one story in which that you can make that argument of that being the theme of that story. Mm-hmm. But he's saying like the common theme is that you, we must have sex with our past in order to, to conquer it. And like the teacher's just like, ooh, and probably just because it wasn't brain dead, you know, apathetic novel, you know, not yeah, yeah, it wasn't. Like the fact that someone was engaging with the material at all was enough for her. It didn't matter if he was doing it in a way that like had any value, mm-hmm. you know, um, and that that kind of stuff really infuriates me. He's also the kid who said um, uh, compared Raymond Carver to a Nazi. Um, yep. So like that's re- just because you know it, there are women who are betrayed poorly in those those stories. Yeah. Um, yeah. That kind of stuff fucking drives me up the wall. Yeah. Um, and, and, yeah. And, it, and it would just be ridiculous to see it applied to video games. Totally. Like, yeah. and, and just the, the video games don't really work that way for the most part. Mm-hmm. Like there are, there are kind of like where I, I can get on board with a, a critical or academic perspective is like looking at something for like themes, mm-hmm. you know, like thematic, yeah. thematic through lines. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's really important, yeah. you know, and I, and I enjoy that. I guess like we both kind of attacked it thinking of in our worst, you know, an academic <laughs> yeah. perspective from our worst, you know, possible from, memories. From, from, our, from, our, from our worst first-person experiences. Yeah, exactly. But if you think of it, you know, we, you know, in, in the show, we try to think of, like, thematic, yeah. you yeah. know, kind of tonal things in the game. And that stuff, you know, I'm interested in the way that stories are crafted. Like, yeah. I'm interested in mm-hmm. that stuff. Like, if you listen to that Indigo Prophe- Prophecy episode, mm-hmm. like, all of my rage about that game has to do with the fact that nobody who is making it was looking at it from an academic, mm-hmm. like was not taking enough of that kind of story craft yeah, yeah. into mind, you know? So, I think that stuff's really important. Okay, so if we're not assuming the worst about how this could go, definitely looking for those through lines and looking for like the unifying, the unifying sentence that ties a work together. And then, mm-hmm. you know, de- the deciding, uh, you know, if this thing achieves some kind of goal, how, like, w- why was it effective or what did, what did it do to be effective at, at getting this through? Then, yeah, definitely, right. you know, but like, and, 
and if that stuff helps you connect with Eric or helps you feel something yeah. about it, I would never take that away from you. So if, if, you know, looking at like looking through, like we're playing Final Fantasy seven and we're talking mm-hmm. about, you know, kind of off mic before we play it, some of the kind of themes mm-hmm. uh, that are pre- present in the game that are not the ham fested environmental ham fest. Ham-fest. I love ham fest. <laughs> ham fest 2012. Um, <laughs> ham fisted uh, environmental stuff in it. And if that is personal resonance for us, mm-hmm. that's enough reason to do it. Yeah. So yes, there is value. And, and, and that's enough it. reason for us to talk about it too. Yeah. You know? Is it enough reason for there to be like, you know, uh, uh, like a course on it or it being like, is it contributing to academia in general? I don't know. You know, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like, what I does that even say. mean? Like what is like academia is so like divorced from actual real life. Like I mm-hmm. know very few people who, you know, pay attention to this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, like people can, well, and they, they enjoy it. Like, and, the, and their enjoyment is not dumber or worse than mine. Like somebody who watches the wire and doesn't, you know, pick up on all of the chess metaphors. Like that doesn't mean they're worse than I am mm-hmm. for not doing that deep dive on it. You know, they're still enjoying a great piece, like whatever level you can get out of something like that has value in and of itself. Yeah. You know, like there's a kind of like a, a condescension, not inherent in your question, but in a lot of this kind of worst case scenario, academic wanking yeah. that I really resent, you know, like the, this idea that, you know, you're not really properly enjoying something unless you're doing this. Right. Like, right. Oh, you know, and if you, and if that's your ad, like, go fuck yourself. Like, don't tell me that <laughs> I'm doing, I'm, I'm appreciating something wrong. Yeah. You know? So, hmm. Yeah. Hopefully that answers your question. I, yeah. I, there's a little bit of confusion about what, you yeah, know, the critical academic, but there's kind of a sense that we agree, and then there's mm-hmm. a sense where you can kind of take it too far. Yeah, worth worth thinking about. Yes, worth building yeah. an institution around it. Ah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. So, hmm. mm-hmm. Doug uh, says Shadow Complex. Um, I've never played it. Never played it. Um, I played a demo of it actually, um, and uh, I, I think that it would be up your alley. Uh, just because it is a kind of modern take on, you know, Metroidvania kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's Metroidvania through the through the uh, kind of like filter of, um, let me think here, like military shooter mecha kind of thing. So you're going around and gaining powers, but eventually you just become this super soldier and you're fighting dudes. So, yeah, I've, I've read about it a lot. It's interesting because there's the controversy because it was written by Orson Scott Card. And, and I'm wondering if that's what Doug is hitting at. Yeah. Um, I've been trying to get, I, at some point I need to get on the level so I can talk about, that's my like level prompt I want to do, <laughs> is like when your morals interfere with, with gaming. And I wasn't going to talk about this specifically. I was going to talk about the guys from PAX being absolute assholes <laughs> um, and how it makes me kind of not want to support them because they're fuckers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you're if you're asking about that, that's a bigger question than we probably have <laughs> than we have time room for, for right now. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, this is already a long episode. You can um, <laughs> so uh, um, hmm. I, I'm even afraid to, to to hint at how I feel about this because <laughs> because if if we if we give an inch, we take an hour. So. Yeah, give an inch, take an hour. Yeah, there's yeah. got to be a conversion chart somewhere. Yeah, so suck on that, Wolfram Alpha. <laughs> you take an inch, give an inch, take an hour. Yeah, um, but but, uh, but but yeah, Shadow Complex. Nothing is wrong with it in and of itself. Um, if you're looking at the morals of the person who probably put it together, then there's a lot to talk about there, and I don't know that we have the bandwidth to do it. Yeah, I'm like I said, at some some point I'm gonna do. I want to yeah. be on a level and talk about it. Yeah. So look for us there. Yeah. 
Um, Chase Greenlee says, uh, what is your guilty pleasure game? <laughs> and he specifies it so we can avoid answering the same question a third time. He says, a game that you love but may not be meant for someone in your demographic. Um, Pokemon Snap. <laughs> yeah. That's like, a good I, one. I, I love that game. It's definitely meant for little kids. <laughs> I think it's wonderful and relaxing, and uh, I, I love it. Yeah, I don't know if I can top that. <sighs> I, I don't know. Like, like so, so demographic is weird. Um, hmm. Yeah, I think Pokemon Snap is probably the way to go. I shouldn't overthink it. Yeah, shouldn't shouldn't overcomplicate yeah. it. There aren't too many other like kids games I'm I'm into. Yeah, but that's definitely definitely one. Hmm. Um, it's easier for me when I think about books or, or movies or anything like things oh, like that, yeah. like yeah. Adventure Time. Um, you know, there's a there's a, a series of Lloyd Alexander fantasy books called The Chronicles mm-hmm. of Prydain yep. that I have a lot of love for. Um, that's meant for someone younger than me, but I still really love them. Hmm. Uh, but in video games, I think Pokemon Snap's my, my man. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, so, Asier Zaragoza, which is an awesome name. Mm-hmm. Yep. That is, that is a wonderful name. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> so, uh, prompts. It would be nice if you could talk about how difficult it is to play old games legally nowadays. Um how it's, it's, it is or is not i think he probably means uh yeah so i guess i he probably means difficulty it is difficult to do so in some ways like just talk about the legality of it or the difficulty and ease in different situations because yeah. both are true. true like some things are very easy mm-hmm. to play nowadays in some ways we are living in the best possible world yeah for that between like virtual console and gog yeah. Um, Even Steam. Tons of like, I, I, Steam bought the, yeah. I bought the Commander Keen collection on Steam, you know, for mm-hmm. like $2. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then there are some things that are, you know, downright impossible. Yeah. Like uh, at some point during the year, spoiler, 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 um, we're going to end up doing Snatcher. We've talked mm-hmm. about it forever. Like, yeah, it's not yeah. that big of a spoiler. Um, there's no way to play that. No. Legally. Um, so we're probably going to have to pirate it. I'm not happy doing that. If they would make it available to me, I would gladly pay for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I get frustrated with this issue is that, you know, I will generally, I want to support a creator, mm-hmm. you know, even if it's something I don't really like that much. Like I bought, you know, I bought Klonoa, I bought Tumba. These things are unknown quantities um, just because it feels better to do it. Like yeah. when given the choice, I will buy the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems like it's very low effort to give me the choice. Mm-hmm. even though I don't know everything about the rights battles and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It, it, some... It's a more difficult business and legal problem than technical one. Yes, um, but I'm sure there are times when it's not, you know, and it just doesn't come over. And then there are times where it would definitely like reap rewards. Like, it's amazing that Earthbound just came out. Yeah, you know, because that's I'm sure that they've whatever money they spent putting that out, I'm sure they made back by mm-hmm. now. Yeah, what's concerning about it is like that stuff that has not been kind of like carried forward. I get the sense that it like just is not on the arc. And if it's not here now, and if, if if efforts are not made to preserve it and keep it legal, then it is just going to fade into obscurity just by virtue of it not being, you know, be, being available. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so and so like as as an as somebody who has archivist tendencies and kind of values preserving those things, like <laughs> it just like if a black market needs to spring up in order to keep those things extant then so be it yeah or right. like a gray market like if yeah, you ever spend any time on like home of the underground idea. or home of the underdogs yeah yeah and yeah. I, like i respect how they go to great lengths to to prove that this is abandoned wear 
Mm-hmm. Right. And like, yep. uh, I, it's, it's due, it's due diligence, right? Yeah. Like I, I, in no way do I condone pirating something that you could buy, even if I, intended, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but yeah, but, 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 but it's about due diligence and how easy it is. How easy is it to, you know, just <laughs> make and, and a gesture anyone... towards doing anything legally? calls us, you know, hypocrites. Like some of the stuff we do for abject suffering may be available on the virtual console and we don't end up buying it. Um just because we're only planning to play it for a half hour yeah. to make fun of it. Like I think we're both guilty of that to a degree. Yeah. Um I've definitely tried things out on an emulator, stuff like that. Yeah. What I don't do is I don't pirate new stuff. Yeah. Like I've never I never do that. Um you know like a game comes out like I can games you don't need to. Like mm-hmm. games are it's kind of plays into like why that that steam card thing pissed me off. I talked about it on Facebook, <laughs> yeah. but like, what's the point? Like I might be able to get $2 in steam bucks mm-hmm. if I, if I check in on this marketing thing all the time, but like two, like it's, that's so cheap and yeah. games are so cheap and I have so many of them. Mm-hmm. Like there's no reason to, to pirate things. Like we are living in this amazing wealthy time for video <laughs> games. You just don't need to do any of that stuff. No. You know? Yeah. It's a, it's unnecessary. It's an unnecessary moral. It's not stealing to feed your family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm just, <laughs> act like a grown ass man and just or woman and buy the, and just yeah. buy, buy a thing that you're going to enjoy with real money. Yeah. Yep. And then you you it's so easy to, to even get exposed. Like you're not even really making compromises now. Like I haven't bought music in a really long time, but I just I mostly listen to music on uh, like a Spotify at work. Yeah. And uh, in exchange for like one commercial every 20 songs, I just listen to whatever I want, mm-hmm. you know, and the artist gets an absolute pittance. And it's really sad. Yeah, but it's not stealing it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, don't uh, don't steal stuff. Yeah, unless you're doing abject suffering, <laughs> in which case, um, stop stealing our idea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, that's uh, Bean Brew asks. He says, uh, "We know what Cole is on the record for, but what about Gary?" Um, I, I think Gary's on the record for the same thing I'm on the record for now. We've we've cleared that up. Yeah, for, for in a lot of ways. Um, I don't always say on the record. Yeah. Um, I, it's more like just saying that uh, defensive vocabulary I say all the time. Um, I'm on the record as saying that I want a, a holiday each year representing each first person RPG um, that exists because there's only like six of them. Um, you know, in the Deus Ex model. I've yeah. said that multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it was like in a, we were making fun of ourselves really early on and then kind of fell off. But we had that bingo card oh, yeah. thing. That would be an interesting to do like bingo card 2013 mm. and see what phrases are running into the ground now. <laughs> Um, as you do answer is definitely some so <laughs> oh yeah there we go and our, our final question yeah <laughs> this has been long yeah this we, is this is a long uh, this is a serious we we expected it to be but i didn't know if i expected it to be this long <laughs> yeah well it's you know it's a kickstarter thing yeah thank yeah. you guys for supporting us yeah, we're happy thank you. to do it yeah no i'm just we're not grossing we, we, we are happy for all the content that we've been able to Mm-hmm. generate and for you to enjoy i'm sorry i'm delirious it is very late here so dan hall uh, is rounding us out by asking how would you fix first person shoot mans um yeah I have, I have an answer for that okay um give me more to do D- yep that's mine too make me feel like i'm more a part of this world yep like give me um like the best first person shooters um i have i'm engaged in ways other than just going into a set piece taking cover yeah. And uh and shooting things. I generally appreciate like games where I am not a uh a, a 
a ghost with physical arms and a gun like like where that is not the extent of what i am like if there's any like nod towards like physicality if there's any nod towards um not so much realism but just kind of the general grit and friction of the world i think that that goes a long way towards um you know making it feel uh like a like a bit more of a good experience uh for, for that, me and 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 that and that plays in to give me more to do too. that could that could be part of like a suite of fixes i don't think that would yeah you know, yeah it's not it's like not a call of duty fix black ops yeah. or something just because i you know had more weight to me mm-hmm. um and still i just i never want to be in a room with realistic guns taking cover and shooting guys yeah like there just has to be more to it so like you look at a spec ops which is you know realistic guns Mm-hmm. And shooting set piece after shooting set piece, but it's not about being a shooter yeah. at all. You look at Bioshock Infinite, the shooting play in that game I thought was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not why you play it. You're playing it for the world and for the story. Yeah, you know. Look at um, it says uh, some. Yeah, it says something that like most of my favorite shooters, you're not playing for the shooting. Right. You know. Yeah. Uh, look at uh, uh, you know Fear or Doom Three, like just kind mm-hmm. of the, the 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 pervading aesthetic um, as yep. well. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, don't, yeah, don't bore me with the world. It's interesting that you brought up fear, though, because one of the really cool things is, uh, and I keep hammering on this, but co op. <laughs> yeah. um, fear 3 is a really fun co op experience if you've never had it. And what makes it fun is that um, player one plays as the, the fear dude who's always been playing, who has a bullet time. Um, player two plays as his weird ghost brother, and you <laughs> possess people and you have a different suite of abilities. Having an asynchronous kind of a multiplayer experience, co-op experience like that is really powerful and kept me engaged through the whole thing. Yeah. Even though like on paper, I'm just going into arena after arena with conspicuous cover and, <laughs> you know, uh, portals from which endless bad guys spew out. Of. Right. Yeah. Um, also I'm a real sucker for powers. Like if you <laughs> give me some kind of superpower to fuck around with, that'll keep my interest for a little bit longer. Yeah. Um, a la Bioshock infinite or uh, project Snowblind, oh, which yeah, is yeah. The, the prototype of deus ex three. Um, that's a pretty fun shooter because you get a lot of neat things to do and they interact in cool ways mm-hmm. um, with uh, with the world. Yep. Um, yeah, but I mean, at this point, like, I don't think I can't think of what would tempt me back into like a modern military shooter. Yeah, it's um, just, like it's what so like the the setting is just really tired. The the play is just really tired. It's just there's just no part of that that's gonna really get me back. I don't think. And and there there's just a grossness to it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a dissonance in doing something that really happens, Yeah, <laughs> you know, all the time. Like the United States is constantly killing brown people and pretending to do that in a video game for kind of fuck yeahs and headshots is kind of gross. Yeah. And, and then I'm, interspersing that with quotes, with quotes from Gandhi and Dick Cheney in the loading screens. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. I only want that if you're subverting it. Like yep. if you're not spec ops or you're not to a lesser degree, like call of duty four, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm not very interested. Yeah. So the same, the same. I want in shooting games. I want the same things I want in other games. Mm-hmm. It's just that genre tends to be bereft of them. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah, and you know, I I generally I I have no interest in multiplayer competitive anyway, and that seems no. to be the where the bulk of the attention is 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 paid. So like, I yeah. don't know if that's a way to fix shoot bands is to be like, don't do this thing that I ignore. But <laughs> right, right, because for other people, that's what makes it for them. Yeah, and you then, know, like and, I. It's yeah. just that, that that informs, um, you know, the, like the rest of the design. And I think that the compromises are made in the name of like balancing it for, uh, that, that, you know, it just interfere with my ability to enjoy the rest of it. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I, I think we're on the same same page with that. Yeah. And they're definitely shooters I like playing. Yeah. So yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't mean that the whole, you know, there are exceptions. Mm-hmm. But uh, I when, what a... comes to mind at the with that word? Yeah, not I, interesting to me. I had a lot of fun with Battlefield Two on PC back mm-hmm. in the day, uh, just because of the squad mechanics. But when been uh, the PlayStation days, I played um, a couple of those Medal of Honors mm, yeah, and was okay with them. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think they were. I just think I had okay fun with them. I don't think yeah. they were actually very good. I, I, I'm, um, I'm thinking specifically of uh, of uh, Frontline. That that, that mm. was actually, I think, a good game. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Half-Life is a different animal. It almost feels yeah, unfair Half-Life's to bring really that. Yeah, Half-Life's not Yeah, that's true. Um, it's like an adventure yeah. puzzle, first-person adventure puzzle shooting game. Yeah. hybrid. And I, 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 have, I have played a tremendous amount of Halo, specifically Halo 1 and 2. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I have no no immediate interest in those games. I never played them. Yeah. Are they what sets those apart? Are they oh, for, like, good or is it something you spend a lot of time with? Uh, it, it's it, it's something I spent a lot of time with. It was definitely a time and place thing. Like in high school, like there was a large portion of my social life that was just that. Like let's take our Xboxes over to a place and play mm-hmm. Halo. You know that was like a weekend you know thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. And then like once that group fell apart, I had no reason to play it anymore. So like I know you know I bought Halo Three, but I like got halfway through the campaign and then just dropped it because I didn't have any reason to play the multiplayer, and yeah. and, re- and really it was just kind of like it it, it was like Golden Eye essentially, which yeah. is here's a simple and digestible way to play a first person shooter on us uh, on a low resolution screen while on a couch, and everything was designed to optimize that and make the loop as tight as possible, um, and uh, I think that it succeeded on those on on those levels. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can, I can definitely see that. Yeah. I also will point out that I have a special place in my heart for like Doom Two. Yeah, like those those kind of shooters, like the ridiculous old, you know, just walk forward and mm-hmm. smash stuff. Like those are pretty fun. Yeah, Duke Nukem um, 3D. Yeah, Duke Nukem 3D is a really fun game. Yeah, like I, I played through that pretty recently. Like when that came out on GOG mm-hmm. um, a couple years ago, I played through that um, almost its entirety. Yeah. And uh, again, it, it gives you stuff to do. Like you interact with the world in a lot of ways, and you're exploring interesting environments mm-hmm. um, with with goofy sci-fi guns. Mm-hmm. Like that's a good game. Like yeah. the uh, that's almost if we were gonna do like a, a classic 2.5D shooter. Yeah, that like would be the one. 3D I would do. probably be the one to do. Yeah, yeah. maybe we'll do that at some point. Um, yeah, so thank you, uh, thank you, Dan, and thank you, everybody. Yeah, for real. Yeah, this has been a lot of fun. (laughs) And if you, if you have random questions, and we can just do this in, uh, extra soda stuff too. Yeah. So if you, uh, listening to this spurred you and you're like, oh, this was fun to listen to, wonder what these guys think of this. Mm -hmm. Not to be too, like, wanky and self important. Yeah. You know, but if, if that does spur you, it is a welcome avenue. Yeah. For you. Agreed. So you know the channels get that uh, to get those to us. We don't. We're not going to do like an admin thing just because this is a different animal than a regular mm-hmm. episode. But uh, to get a hold of us, um, you just go to duckfeed.tv/contact. Use that form there. Select watch out for fireballs from the drop down menu and uh, write in. And then those get incorporated into the notes, and uh, you know we'll respond. Yep. And uh, next episode, we're doing Final Fantasy VII. Mm-hmm. Um, again, not doing the whole admin thing, but if you have responses about that. That's still available. Yes. Um, yeah, until, uh, until next time, what can they do, Cole? Uh, they can watch out for interaction.